Hello and welcome to episode 434 of the Awesome Comics Podcast, the place where the small press makes one hell of a big noise. My name is Vince Hunt and joining me as always is the creator of the comic series Vanguard, Dan Butcher. Hello. And he's a vegetarian, so surely won't have the stomach for being a creature of the night. It's Tony Esmond. We've got our cameras on, it's weird. <laughs> at, what, at, what point we, at what point are we going to turn them off, gentlemen? It's going all right. It's going all right. We haven't put each other off. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, welcome to yeah, the Yeah, you see those videos where the bloke pretends to be Kermit the Frog and he always holds up a cucumber mid the fucking yeah. conversation. It's no. going to be like that, isn't it? Well, well it'd be pointless doing that because this is an audio-only show that you... Just for you home. two. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> lovely people at home are, of course, listening to this show. And welcome. This is, We are ongoing with our sort of spooky exploration of comics leading up to our halloween special um tony every any time tony holds something up to the camera i'm gonna talk about it he, <laughs> just, it. he just uh held up a, a toy knife toy um yeah, toy, toy knife <laughs> yeah so um but he's Sorry. not allowed sharp objects so that's clearly a lie <laughs> but of course this week we're going to be talking i mean we've I think I don't think there's been a show that we've had this month so far where we haven't mentioned vampires in any way, shape, or form. Yes, there. and of course, when you think of horror, they're probably the number one of all sort of horror villains. Tony's now wearing a Batman mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so this week we're talking about the daddy of vampires, which is Dracula. We're having a bit of a Dracula conversation this week and uh we were very pleased to be joined by dacre stoker and chris mccauley wasn't that cool oh yeah of, uh, well it is cool because they're about to hear it in a, oh, yeah. a bit they know their stuff don't they yeah yeah so if you think you know dracula you don't and clearly we don't because they put us on the spot a couple of times and we i never fucking clue <laughs> we <laughs> we didn't know there's what a we question coming up I, I was like i don't know yes yeah. I, <laughs> I like the way we just vince sort of started answering it so we just left it to him yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. completely left me just blowing in the wind uh, i pretended to go and pick something up yeah oh, no, there's something happening over yeah, there. yeah yeah um but no it was a fascinating insight into the sort of character of dracula itself and like its lineages in all different types of media and of course the upcoming book which we've spoken about on the show um we reviewed issue one wasn't it tony i believe you yes talked to me. yeah so just been... under a year ago i'd say yeah at that time if yeah. you want to go back yeah and issue two is on its way now it's crowdfunding now so if you want to find out more about that that's coming shortly but you know what's coming now that's a i don't want either of you to answer that we're just gonna do the segue uh <laughs> <laughs> comic house thank you for sponsoring the show comic house yes they are our lovely sponsor as always pete and the comic house crew doing what they can for indie comics because they love indie comics as much as we do and as much as you do if you're listening to this show cool i almost used all the breath up in my lungs saying that bit yeah that's fun. it's uh, nice watching you doing it yep and the uh, show. that's not the first time you said that uh, <laughs> not since um, we shared that room together yep <laughs> oh what a night there's a huge selection of titles on the comic house database if you self-publish your book uh, you can also list list your work on there as well another avenue to get get your comics out into the great white world great white world great wide world, world. We, I that's have not to, a world we want I know and I I will say this and we've got to say it from the beginning yes I've already gone off topic with the sponsorship ad but are we still in the ad 
we're still in the attic yeah but okay. i just, I just yeah. need to point out just so everyone knows we're recording this show earlier than normal right and sometimes when we do that we have like a morning recording today we're doing it around i mid- couldn't tell you what time it is i don't know what time it around is. around middayish this is and it's completely spun our heads we don't know where we are who we are or in fact and the fact that we've decided to use this time when we're De- decombobulated to have the cameras on is he is probably is the tri- worst yeah, idea possible kind of yeah. weird isn't it yeah but what the whole I... world's gone weird it's a different place I do you ever wake up that you know early and not know what your name is it's a bit like that isn't it i don't know who i am or what i'm doing now shall i yeah. tell you what world is weird what the world of comic house no mars because humans have begun to colonize mars but something ancient and sinister got there first it's now, even worse when i can see him now Vampirella is faced with a mystery only she can solve and the bloody realisation that some monsters should never be awakened. And you can read that story on Comic House with really? Aliens Vampirella. Amazing. Amazing. Yes. Before I bring it back. <laughs> so yeah, you well should. Th- thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Someone had to. Uh, um, but basically, Comic House... six issues on there. It's, it's good. It's good read that. That's Who's it written by? It's written by... Uh, oh, lady does a lot of horror. By um, Karina Sarah... Betchko. Betchko. Yeah. Betchko. Yeah. And yeah. artist by Xavier Garcia Miranda. Oh, yeah. Fantastic great book. series, and you can read it all on Comic House on their digital mm. app, basically on Netflix for comics. £3 a month, you get access to an enormous library of digital indie comics. What else is on there at the moment, Dan? Uh, apart from Aliens vs. Vampirella, there's a whole slew of titles. I'm sure there's plenty of horror ones. Uh, let me have a look. The new releases on the app. We've got Bloop in the Pigeon Pandemic, which just uh, finished Kickstarter, and we've got John Lee Nonley, Volume 1, Issue 4. Let's let's tell some stupid stories. Sicko, Volume 1, Headless, Volume 1, uh, Contract Zero, The Long Game, and finally, Viper, Crimson Dawn. Yes. We should I released about a year ago. Wow, is that a year? Yeah. Crowdfunded about a year ago now. Wow, yeah. wow. Tony's now wearing a Carolina Panthers uh, baseball cap. Yeah. And if you want to find out more <laughs> about those comics and more, um, <laughs> start a 14-day free trial. At t- Tony's wig's fallen off. Uh, to find out more, <laughs> not then... syrup. This is a gold mortal. <laughs> it fell right off his head. Go to comichouse.com to find out more. And thank you to them, as always, for sponsoring the show. Yes. All jokes aside, we're talking about one of the greatest evil Ooh. evils that ever faced comics. And I think I can say, I think it's pretty certain that most of our listeners if not all, and certainly all of us here on the show, in some way, shape, or form, we've read a comic book that has Dracula in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He's but all over, now, he's in everything, isn't he? He is. He's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Never. But fuck the rest of media. We don't care about that right now, because we're... <laughs> <laughs> this is about When Whenever you read a comic with a vampire in it, you, the question's in the back head, when, when's Dracula turning up? Yes. Yeah. When's Dracula turning up? <laughs> Because yeah. these are the, gets... the minor, minor bad guys to when yeah. he turns up. Yeah. I mean, he was all over Storm at one point, wasn't he? If there's a, if there's a lady in the, the X-Men universe I'd like to get with, he's done Storm. it, hasn't he? See, this he's is, done all right. Right, this is the interesting thing. Obviously, there's been many different Dracula's, and they're many different iterations, aren't they? Each each publisher has their own version mm. of it in some ways, shape or form. When I think of uh, a classic um, comics, you know, those you know, 50s, 60s comics or whatever, the one that goes in my head now is the Tomb of Dracula look. You know, the, yeah. the, the cape, the moustache. Um, um, is it, what was the actor that played um, that Dracula? Is it Peter? Oh, I've forgotten his name now. Langer? No. 
Um, there was a Dracula, someone who portrayed Dracula in the movies, and he had he had that kind of Tomb of Dracula kind of look. Is he um, the dude from Naked Gun? Leslie Nelson. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. He was dead and loving it. <laughs> yeah. um, is it? It's not. No. I'll think what, of the. What, I'll what think was of the film period? Like. Frank Langella. No, 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 no. I'll think of the name later. And okay. I'll, I'll just say this, and you'll know I'll think of it. Paul Nashy. Because I'll just say the name out loud, and they'll be like, yeah, what? Yeah, say it randomly so in the night yeah, when you wake yeah. up. But, but Tomb of Dracula is definitely one of those. Is When you first delve into it, as I did, because I didn't read it like when I was first getting into comics. I didn't mm. read it probably. You in, weren't born. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, but even, even, even like the old, the old sort of books you pick up sometimes, I didn't know about it. And I think around the 90s as well, a lot of comic done had forgotten about that, hadn't it? That the Tomb of Dracula was pushed to the back of like the comic book marketplace, wasn't it? It was only. It's one of those things you could get cheaply for a while, and then people had a, no, come on, this is great, and then it became yeah. more expensive, didn't it? Was that around remember? the Essentials kind of time when they decided yeah. to collect it? Yeah, the Essentials went silly money, didn't they, for a while? Yeah, and prob- yeah. probably um, the resurgence of Blade, because it was like where. Yeah. Because where did Blade originally come from? Oh, and it was in, and it was in this. He was a Tomb of Dracula. Yeah, Tomb of Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that character has changed a lot in the Marvel universe, hasn't they? And like, I remember like reading. I think it was, was it an X Men book ages ago. I think when they did that, I don't know some va- massive vampire event. I wasn't really interested in. I think the one where Jubilee became a, a vampire. Yeah, and yawn. Yeah, the Tomb of um, Dracula. Dracula isn't really the one we see now, is no. it? No. You know, no, yeah. the one I the one I can think of. But neither is Blade. Yeah, true. no, yeah, Blade, true. Blade from Tomb of Dracula is very different now. Yeah, but I thought like the good guys and the bad guys would be getting on board with taking Dracula out because like he's a threat. Yeah. To well, there's been an Avengers vampire war, isn't there? There's recently. Um, okay. Yeah, he he pops up everywhere. I don't know. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. I don't know. Mm. It dep- depends on the writer. It depends on the writer and what the concept... When you have a uh, a Dracula within any kind of comic universe, and I think this extends beyond like big publishers and stuff, it's all in the story, isn't it? And their motivations. Yeah. Because Dracula isn't one of those, I'm going to take over the world and make everyone a vampire. And whenever I re- sort of see those stories, I kind of switch off to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Dracula feels a more smaller. I mean, he's a major threat in a smaller story, for me. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, kind of the the character bemusing themselves as opposed to like with these massive overarching goals of. Yeah. Ruling everything, so yeah. I just want to kind of be the top dog where I am and not yeah. overreaching. Yeah. And it's always like yeah. one step ahead, isn't it? It's it, you know, it's it's almost the OG big villain. I'm. You know. Well, it's great. Like we mentioned, Chris mentioned in the uh, the interview we've got coming up about like the the traps he lays that sort of I didn't really consider, but like the the Lucy thing. That's a really yeah. interesting point coming up. So yeah, check that one out. And uh, and kind of the master manipulator is a great great villain. A- absolutely, and I think yeah, the manipulator is a brilliant way to put it down because that's what the character is, isn't it? It's it's mm. a real um that they're, they're evil. There's a potential to be very evil and sometimes in comics dracula isn't evil enough do you ever find that i think that's yeah. where they counterplay that whole suave like you say the suave you know always in a dinner dj kind of character yeah. that when he does be go feral it's more of a shock sometimes yeah okay. you yeah. Know, when he moves over and some people yeah. play with the power set as well don't they they're like yeah they, very much so they treat yeah. it 
I don't, I, I don't know about you guys. You're the sort I, of Doctor Strange crossovers. I mean, that's an interesting combo, I think. Sometimes. Yeah, that's and I, th- I think because Doctor Strange has one foot in horror anyway, doesn't it? It's Plus, like, they look the same, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Dracula characters like just Midnight Suns. I don't understand why they don't have a really decent Good Night Midnight Sun series going where he's like one of the. the oh, the that I think so it's good. on the way. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. You've got such a wealth of characters and backgrounds and stuff you can work into it, and I don't know why they're not. Well, we're yeah. seeing a rise of that group again okay. in Marvel at the moment. Yeah, Whether yeah, it'll yeah, be done well yeah. or not, I can't yeah, 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 yeah. hazard a guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is this Midnight Suns going to have like Wolverine in it? If so, I'm not really interested. <laughs> well, like, if it's going to have or um, Deadpool or Spider Man, nah, fuck no. all that. If it's going to have Johnny Blaze with a shotgun that fires fucking Hellfire, oh, I'm bang yeah. up for it. Yeah, you know what I mean, that's a bit I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of uh, Midnight Suns, my my pick for my favorite vampire. Well, we had a chat before. Was um. Is Morbius. Yeah. Now, this so, is interesting because you said this on the WhatsApp earlier in the week. Yeah. And uh, Tony, take it away and then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll, I'll drop something. Go on. Okay. Mm. So, Morbius has had various stages in his comic career. Yeah. Villain, Amazing Spider-Man, started in 101. Not in 1971. Can you believe that? Yeah. That's how old he's they been. They always going. start off as yeah. villains, don't they? They're like wrestlers. Some of them they do, come don't in they? as like, bad guys yeah. and then they, they, yeah. they turn face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then we had my favourite period, which I'm about to talk about, and then we had like the Midnight Sun stuff, which I didn't didn't catch on for me quite as much. Mm-hmm. And then there's been various attempts. There was a series a couple of years ago and ongoing that failed. There's been various attempts, but <clears throat> it's probably the way that it was done and the creators involved that I dug it the most. But it was when he appeared in Adventure into Fear, he goes into space. Now. Doesn't sound automatically the gothic horror that we're about to talk about with you know uh-huh. those two guys, but mm. I really love this. And it's written by Steve Gerber, who pretty much couldn't step a, a foot wrong, even when he was just doing it to wind people up. With art by P. Craig Russell and inks by Vinnie Coletta. Vinnie Coletta gets a bad name for erasing lots of Kirby's backgrounds, but he's actually not, I actually don't mind his line, his ink line. Yeah, it's quite nice. Mm. So he's lost in another world, galaxy, reality, whatever you want to call it, and he fights sci-fi barbarians um strange alien races mutants and stuff like that and he comes across a creature that i sent you the picture of did i that's just a big eyeball yeah yeah it's that's called well lord freaky. lord and then the letter i yeah. right who's a bit sheepish around him um he's the potentate of arcturus which is proper hard sci-fi in it you know you gotta imagine this was long before star wars and there's a there's a load of uh, mutants who turns up and Morbius refers to them as freaks. And this potent says says um they're not freaks, they're mutants, and mutants are the now the norm, which makes you the freak, which is this really interesting counterplay. Hmm. But because he's in space, he has this um he still has to get blood from people. And it's not quite the same because he's not they're not human, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he bites this sort of sexy lady female by barbarian. And there's this really amazing moment where the eye closes of this potentate and one massive tear comes out because he's transgressed that society. And it's so beautifully told. It's so artistically beautiful and so poetical. And from that point, I thought, this is just freaky as fuck. You know, it's that sort of weird mm. sci-fi yeah. we got back then. Mm. And um, and I think that he then comes back to Earth, fights Blade, la 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 la, you know, all goes on. But it's not a long run, and it, and you can find them for fifty p. These comics, you know, and I just really, really like that. It really stuck with me. It, it's it's so peculiar and so strange. It's horrific. Okay. A, it, it unnerves you, 
you know mm. and then they did the midnight suns and i wasn't into it but it's a shame i liked him as this sort of quasi tragic yeah he is a villain but he's an understandable villain yeah. you know that, yeah, that, you I, I, I think that's one of the issues um well, I mean, the way you're describing that, Tony, that sounds like something I want to read, like an arc I want to read. Yeah, okay. I mean, when you say space vampires, you think it's an immediate win, but sometimes they're not. It doesn't deliver. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, but certainly with Morbius, that's a Morbius story I'd read because I'm not a fan of Morbius, and I never have been. I I just never. It never. I mean, the, really... spi- the Spidey stuff and that got me. I was into it. Yeah. You know, you got the you got the um, Paul Glacey on all this sort of thing. But the after that, it just became dire nineties comics, as far as I was concerned. What was yeah. the tagline for Morbius? Was it the Living Vampire? The Living Vampire. Because yeah. he's he's he does it. He's not <laughs> bitten or anything. He he gets a blood disease, so he cures himself with science and some black uh, vampire bat venom or something. You know. Yeah. Okay. Does he always yeah. look like? The sort of vampiric look in that I in think those, so. in space vampire one. Yeah, he does in that. Yeah, with that, okay. so it's it's a superhero costume he's got, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. It's a cunning play on Dracula's colors, but yeah. in a superhero costume, you know. Okay. Yeah. 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 So well, why don't you like him, V? Why is he not your taste? It was just sort of. Um, I don't know. I think uh, that's not the sort of vampire I want. I and it's it's kind of like that peanut butter and and jam or jelly, sort of thing that vampires within the superhero realm don't always really do it for me um in much much the way that we've spoken about frank castle's punisher existing almost outside the bubble of the superhero yeah, universe yeah. yeah you know um <laughs> like the things like the midnight suns and the blades and you know probably ghost rider and things like that it's almost like there theirs is another sort of sub pocket of the marvel universe i don't me personally, I don't really want an interaction between Ghost Rider and Captain America. I don't, you know, I don't want Morbius hanging out with Deadpool or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I understand. There's different flavors. Isn't oh, there? I make you right there, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, I don't want anyone hanging about with yeah. Deadpool. To be fair, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So when you put them, and and I think that's what that's probably why I've missed out on many great stories that were purely. I mean, this this is matter of five comics in the history of right, man. It's okay. probably been in a hundred, but yeah. you know, it's just. It just caught me at the right time. Sometimes, you know, when you've only got that comic in the back of a car as a kid, and yeah, you think. Wow, I, I think one of the amazing. things that we miss now, probably as a comics reading culture, is because everything has a universe now. There is, um, even if you've got your own solo title, you won't. It won't always be your solo title. Do you know what I mean? The, the the universes are so cross-pollinated and everyone... Oh, there's going to be a issue two or issue three Batman stroke, Spider-Man stroke, Wolverine crossover. Yeah, no yeah. yeah. if you're in the DC yeah. universe, there's yeah. going to be a Bat character probably within your first five issues um, yeah. because they think that sells or, you know, that sort of thing. I know that's not a fact. That's just, that's just something I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, but, you know, I I think with the with the problem of that is some of the strongest stories that came from those old comics, you know, the the joy of looking through the the back issue bins and stuff, is seeing those titles when it's just that character. It's just Werewolf by Night. It's just Morbius. It's just that's the runs we want to buy and read because yeah. we're interested in that character. And the problem, so what... like for instance, like take a Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing, when it's at its strongest, it was almost so horror and so gothic it was very difficult to in, to have that integrate. character integrate yeah. into the superior universe wasn't it really you'd have to go some to make a true horror character in comics they're almost 
impossible to interact with your main heroes. Does that makes sense. Alan Moore does one of something and uh, Superman, doesn't he? It's like the Man yeah. of Tomorrow where he, he gets that Kryptonian plant that sort of infects him, and Swamp Thing has to help him out. That's like a, that's a really well done. Well, story Swamp Thing crosses across. over with a lot of people, but in in my head, it, it does it in its own terms. So yeah, you get like yeah, enemy, enemy exactly. Ace, you get Martian Manhunter, you get the Justice League. You know, there's a lot going on there, but it does it in a horrific way and on his own terms. It suddenly doesn't just suddenly become. Uh, a Justice League story, and it yeah, shouldn't yeah. do. Yeah, you know, if if there guess, should be a if reason. If it's guest starring Swamp yeah. Thing, that gets me a little bit nervous because it, like, Swamp Thing is such a character that is, as you say, it overtakes the narrative in some way. Has to be an adjacent yeah. character. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can have Wolverine crossing over into Deadpool. That's fine. They're yeah. both mutants. Yeah. They're both in the same areas. But you, you, you definitely don't want you know Captain Marvel crossing over with Deadpool. That would annoy yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's the yeah. problem with a, a lot of horror characters, isn't it? Like when they become a moneymaker when they become a bigger title there is the let's have them cross over with other people and yeah. take a dracula you know one of the biggest villains of all time as soon as you have that one of the issues i have is as soon as you have dracula versus it's a very interesting cover tony's holding <laughs> up crypt of shadows which uh, which came out this week yeah which, out this week. which is not a horror book because it's got hulk Deadpool, scarlet witch yeah daredevil hulk and scarlet witch in it Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, what a natural uh, grouping that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But as soon as you have Dracula, which, as we've established, one of the Mac Daddies of all all villains, and you say it's Dracula versus Superman, well, I know he's going to win then. Aren't I? You know what yeah. Just like, kind of. Bit and of as shrug. soon as you have people saying Dracula doesn't stand a chance, you've lost. Yes, <laughs> the villain's got to have some kind of. Right. Yeah. So I dug out a uh, one of the vampire uh, versus superhero trades that I know I had. And it's an issue of a, a, a trade of the JLA, the Tenth Circle. Have you guys have read this? The, the Doom Patrol oh, and sure. the JLA go up against a vampire called Crucifer. And, uh, <laughs> was it in the nineties? I think it might have been the nineties. Yeah. Like... <laughs> so uh, it's actually written by Chris Claremont, uh, pencil uh, by John Byrne, and the finishings by. I think uh, Jerry Ordway. Pencil. Oh, nice. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. So uh, these teenagers, teenage kids with minor superpowers start disappearing from across the US and across the world. And this crucifer guy who's a vampire is getting them all together. So basically he can bring the kind of departed souls of his compatriots into their bodies and resurrect them as kind of like superpower vampires and the Doom Patrol and Justice League got to stop him. Uh, at one point, uh, Superman is under Crucifer's con- like mind control, which is interesting because obviously with a Superman character, he's got no real defenses against any kind of magics. Yeah. And in that, he's like slapping around Wonder Woman and they don't really stand a chance. Uh, it's, it's quite funny, but obviously the, the guys went out. You don't, that always seems to go to, if there's kind of like going to fight, it's going to be Superman, Wonder Woman, like yeah. if one of them gets mind control. Because, yeah, Batman usually hides behind a shed or yeah. something like that. If it's going to be like Wonder yeah. Woman, Batman, Batman would get fucking minced. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting Shed. <laughs> <laughs> it shows like Crucifer, he talks about his life through the age and he's, they always do this in comics. The vampires always end up in the Nazi, like army. There's always yeah. trust them. We well, got the fiends ages. of the Eastern front of you, which is a ba- like a German. Is it a tank regiment? They're all yeah, Nazi yeah. Nazi vampires. I remember yeah. uh, Baron Blood. 
Captain yeah. America. He's like, I like broken that. Nazis. Oh, funny yeah. enough, I looked at that page today where Captain America's he's about to bite Captain America, which was kind of the cliffhanger in the UK comic series, and then he can't yeah. because it's chainmail. Chainmail. Yeah. Seems he's a bit like, shit excuse. Uh, yeah. Like ch chainmail. Chainmail. Oh, suit, like. <laughs> Defeated. Here's question. Defeated a vampire. Yeah. Chainmail. Hypothetical question. Okay. Uh, the Allies lose the war, and there's comic makers who are going to incorporate vampires into the allies army and they're how how do you think they would go about doing that but in the same way we've kind of they are like western kind of artists oh, and reverse creative, engineering oh. reverse engineering so it's the other side so the allies have the maybe not one to answer now well the, the thing is it's, it's essentially when it comes to stuff like this, it's a propaganda message isn't yeah it? That's, exactly yeah propaganda yeah so because it yeah. is essentially this is an evil. Let's put it upon the thing that we think is yeah. evil and give it to the masses. That's, but it's also is, like it's, which is it's dangerous fucking territory for like reality it's TV. It's an uh, ontological evil, isn't greatest it? Greatest evil of all. Like no, nothing you could do to a vampire would be wrong. You could argue that because they're just fucking evil. Evil. Don't, movie. Tony. I can depend, see you thinking. Depend, depending on the, depending on how you portray them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe that's. I maybe don't tell that story, but maybe an interesting. Well, you, vampire ladies are generally pretty sexy, aren't they? They're always kind of in my limited. So you know, there's always the bloke <laughs> who gets bitten by the sexy vampire, isn't there? There's always yeah. like he's always caught out by oh she's sexy. Yeah. I'll go back to yeah. her boudoir. Oh no, she's yeah. a vampire. I would get caught out like that every single time. Be like, yeah, yeah. 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 It kind of uh, some of this is slightly going to tie into um, my eerie pick later oh okay yeah. i've Good. got an eerie pick too with vampire and i hope uh we don't cross well cross the stream well so. i hope you've we'll, done the same one again yeah we'll talk about <laughs> that in a second because uh i think let's get stuck this in time let, let's really put our fangs into the neck yeah. of this uh, subject let's bite there. into this one let's really yeah and i'll tell well, you what of amateur hour russell let's get on to the yeah this this is one conversation that doesn't suck because <laughs> <laughs> because Two we are, up. yeah we are talking to Dacre Stoker and Chris McCauley well about Dracula themselves here you go right then we are very pleased this week to be joined by the creators behind the spooky new Dracula title Dracula the Return Cult of the White Worm we've talked about uh, a bit on the show before haven't we Tony I remember yeah I um, think Shane gave me a copy at Nottingham which is about a year ago I'm going to mm. say I think it was just about to come out, and uh, yeah. we, we, we've known Shane for years, um, so he gave me a copy of that. We loved it; it was really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and yeah. as we're getting into all things Dracula this week, it just made sense to talk to the two of the creators behind the book, Dacre Stoker and Chris McCauley. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for for having us. And uh, you know, it is the season, so nice to talk Dracula during yeah. the Halloween season. Yeah. It's the best. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. I did catch your review of issue one, uh, and just want to say thanks for um, for doing oh, that. Oh, pleasure, man! So it, was, yeah. it was wonderfully positive. So thank you for that. Great stuff, man! It's good. It's good comics, yeah. and we should probably mention the artist on it as well. So, who is who is your artist? Uh, we've got Chris Geary for the main strip. We've got Matt Soff for wonderful colors, and then we have uh, David Hitchcock Lovely. for side strips and stuff like that. Brilliant, brilliant. There is yeah. so much to get into with this book, and certainly, and the upcoming title that's coming soon. Um, but first, I think we're in the good position to talk about Dracula right now. And as I say 
he's kind of like the daddy of all villains when it comes to just any media i think like mm. the, one of the I, if you say the greatest villains of all time surely one of the top three ever um but in terms of comic books after loose women i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> which oh, is that, you are equivalent of the view Dacre, yeah, sort yeah. of ang- angry yeah. women okay yeah yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> dracula would never be seen on it because it's a daytime show um, <laughs> nicely um, done thank yeah. you uh, but um dracula himself what is it about that character and that universe that applies itself so well to like comics and the sequential medium and things like that in your guys opinion well, yeah, I'll start. You, you, you really consider this, and I've been analyzing this for 15 years. I've been delving into my great-granduncle's work and, and, and what research went into it, its inspiration. Um, you know, he created his Dracula out of mythology. Uh, he created it out of a, a real person. Uh, he merged things together. So he grabbed a little bit of everything. And, and I will have to say, you know, the, the number of treaties that I have found uh, and Bram actually mentioned this in, in the one interview he ever gave. He found this all over the world. At least 12 different countries he found mythology about a, a you know, real scare and real vampirism. And that's that's back in 1890 when he found mm-hmm. that with the resources he had. I'm sure if you did research today, it would be every society has some fascination with the undead, some mm-hmm. sort of a creature, spirit creature something that's coming out after the living and it's uh, you know either looking for mischief or looking for a good time or looking to suck the blood so that that the, the fact that that exists in the world makes it sort of an easy target to then create interesting things out of literature comics stage film uh, toys board games rpg games that is the genesis is in reality a real worry that people had and then the final thing before i hand this over to to chris because we talk about this a lot when we're developing things is in the novel dracula that bram wrote the character count dracula only appears in about 30 percent of the the pages Mm. he exists in the minds the psyche the concerns the worries of the characters throughout the whole novel and that's, I think, where his place is. He is out there. We all know about it. We're scared to death of it. We don't always see him. So he's fertile for artists, screenwriters, and so on to create their own version of it. Mm-hmm. Bram did create one. And and that's what Macaulay and Stoker are doing, or bringing back the man in black. But it leads itself for many other adaptations. And that's why he's gone into comics, graphic novels, you know, children's stuff. In, in all different forms, because it's not wrong. It's just people's reimagining and their interpretation of what Bram started back in 1897. I mean, there's also the, I mean, I know it's something we'll probably talk to you a bit about, Dacre, maybe before we move on to Chris, is it, there is an apparent watering down of the character. And I know since, I'm going to say 2009, I've only got that from your Wikipedia page, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> it says that you've kind of moved to take it back on, you know, to try and impress back into the, the character as he was originally conceived. Yeah, uh, you know, there's nothing against all the different stage and film adaptations, and you know, don't take. I mean, that that's great. That has helped the the character and the story proliferate worldwide. You know. Okay. But yeah. we do have to. I have looked at this very, very sort of pragmatically. Bram's Count Dracula was a dark, horrifying revenant from the grave, not a sexy type creature. That happened starting in 1924, when the stage adaptations needed 
the type of person that would attract audiences to come into the stage to watch mm -hmm. Dean and Balderston and actually Florence Stoker's adaptation of, of Dracula. They needed the suave, sexy, Eastern European, Bela Lugosi looking guy in a dinner jacket. Had they put Bram's Dracula on stage, people would, would have been run out of the theater. Um, okay. and, and so it was a necessary adaptation at the time. And from there, of course, we saw Lugosi, we see Lee and, and Langella and Palance and Oldman as technology, CGI, as creative writers and art directors decide that, oh, what can we do a little different than the one before us? They've made him a little more human, a little more sparkly in some cases, a little more sexual. So that was the sign of the times to attract people into the theaters, both stage and screen. And then, of course, this is what writers do. Ian Holt and I did this in 2009. We create our own version, but he is yeah. Bram's version, but doing new and different things, put him in different places. And that's what Stoker and Macaulay are doing. That's what I did with J.D. Barker and with uh, Dracul, the prequel. So you 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 want to take what you're given by Bram and we don't want to change them too much because that's been done but sort of bring people back to the basics back to understand how horrifying that original Dracula really was okay yeah so Chris how did you two hook up how did this become a, a project for both of you yeah I wrote uh, a comic strip as a favor for friends uh, he was doing a horror anthology and uh, they were doing like a sci-fi thing so was I that, would mate? Uh, it was like a sci-fi theme they did. Uh, it was mm. called Thirteenth Moon, and okay. uh, I wrote this uh, comic strip called Dracula: Lord of the Future. And in it, a way down Titanic-style company comes, excavates Dracula, takes him to a space station, tortures him, and starts to drain him of his blood for its various properties to turn him into pharmaceutical chemicals. As Dracula is chained up with silver, um, he reflects upon his previous life. Uh, lives and says although he's always known violence he's never known such indignity uh, and with that then he decides he's going to get out and kill every fucker on that speech <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is this is um you know this was the start i i see dracula as a dark brutal bastard um you know he doesn't he doesn't live in the light in any sense so he gets out and kills everybody, and he literally paints all the pristine, you know, 2001-esque space corridors, you know, red with blood, you know, and all sorts of things in there. So, and then he escapes in a spaceship, uh, a little spacecraft, and, and buggers off. Um, so that was the ending of it. But I sent the script to the Bram Stoker State. Look, you know, if you don't want me to portray Dracula in this way, because I have a tremendous respect for for all of Bram Stoker's work, um, you know, just let me know and I'll just change the name of the vampire. Uh, and then Decker rang me up, I think about six or seven hours later after he received the email. And oh, script. nice. And it was like, hey, do you want to do, you want to do some Bram Stoker comics? Do you want to start? We, we started by bringing um, one of Bram Stoker's short stories, the unfortunately titled Squall, uh, to um, the shelves. Uh, it's It was known as The Virgin's Embrace. I retitled it. Um, and we had Jessica Martin there as the artist. And it's a it's a beautiful piece of work. It's part of what we're terming as the Bram Stoker Treasury. And then we kind of moved on from there. We went into audio dramas. We went into then, you know, uh, novels, comic books, audio, uh, the RPG games, tabletop games, and now we've got a video game uh, we, that will have a playable demo in two days' time, two or three days' time. <laughs> awesome. 
Oh wow! Okay, nice. so we've quite, got quite into the empire. Yeah, yeah, we've got into everything, and there's more. There's more to come with all of this, but um, essentially, it was. I think you know, Decker and I are, are we've got similar similar ideas about Dracula when it comes to that brutality. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we were both fed up with the the highly sexualized vampire. I mean, he's he's dead. His 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 penis doesn't work. That's why. That's why. <laughs> you that, hear that, uh, that's the quote of the episode. You <laughs> yeah, never think about have, it. You never. Yeah, think it's, it's if you look at if you look at the Freudian analysis of, of why he feeds. Why bites? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean yeah. that's it. And you see, you know, you see that, and and um, you know, that's how that's how he he um, proliferates. That's how vampirism comes out. It's through it's through the blood. It's through. It's also you know there's theories about venom as well in the mouth because mm. you see that in in batman red rain uh there's all yeah. sorts of theories about like vampirism and stuff there's, a, there's a sort of verminous nature to your stories yeah. as well which is an interesting angle you see it occasionally don't you not not like you say though not often and that stems a lot from the original text yeah does it not yeah 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 because dagger will be able to tell you about this but um yeah every time there was a plague or or something went wrong you know everybody blamed vampires you know so, Dagger, I tell my wife when I'm late home from the pub. No, that, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I. I mean, listen, I, I've dug into and found 98% of the books Bram used for his research. I've been into the libraries that he was in. I can see because he signed into them, so I know what wow. he looked at. Okay. And there's a lot of these treatises, as Chris says, of, about you know suspected vampirism in the early 18th century and it was all about contagious disease plagues cholera rheumatic fever all, all these things and and of course you know nosferatu the film picked that up with the with the rat like orlock mm. although i i say that gently because that was a pirated version of bram's book they never paid for uh, uh, okay because the, the the herzog version of that is is the streets are full of rats aren't they yeah exactly it's an amazing film yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So very, very and, and of course, Bram has Dracula turn into rats, turn into bats, all these creatures of the night that do spread, you know, rabies and other disease. So uh, it, it was it's not that far of an extension for Chris and I to to use that theme in our stories as sort of underlining themes. Mm. Interesting, because the yeah. character that like himself, like you say, be- before there was Dracula there was it there was fear wasn't there it was taking all these different elements of fear whether it be you know disease the undead anything you don't understand like the great fear is the stuff you don't understand and what stoker did was pretty much distill that into a person and when you make it you know oh i don't know i i don't know what is killing me when you know the villain it creates a completely different dynamic doesn't it because mm. everything stems the evil is now a singular point in a story, which is, um, which I think is probably why he's lasted so long. That character's just got so much legs. You know, one of the great villains of literature. Um, and like you say, taking all these basic elements and putting it into one person. But the romanticism of it, is something I, I love the fact that you're going back to the, the brutality and the darkness of it because as much as we like the you know how suave he looks when you have a knowledge of of dracula or from those sort of films that you watch and the first time you read the original text it is a real surprise 
the old, you know, the grey-haired man that crawls like a spider out of the walls. Uh, you know, I remember as I, when I was a kid reading it, just thinking, this is way well creepy, way creepier. This isn't, yeah. <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, so how do you just, you know, how do you keep hold? What what is the key to almost dismissing what most people know and, and going back to the root of why this character is so powerful as they were originally intended? Well, Vince, that 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 is you know the big question is mm. we, it is a big departure, and we acknowledge the fact, even though the books in public domain, you know, third thirty different languages. We recognize that the audiences that Chris and I get in front of have probably not read the book, but mm-hmm. they, they think they know the book. They know the story through film or comics or games. And and so we're sort of having to ease that back a little bit. You can't directly go and be disrespectful for everything that got yeah. them into the world or the sandbox that Chris and I play with. So we've got to sort of ease them back a little bit. It's one of the reasons why we started you know, with one of Bram's other short stories turning into a graphic novel. And we've got plans to do others. And then we sort of eased Dracula with Dracula Return, Cult of the White Worm. We actually merged one of the stories, Layer of the White Worm, that Bram did. That 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 white worm becomes the ultimate evil. So we've got to do it gently um, to let people understand it rather than slap them in the face and say, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not going to get us anywhere. Hmm. What we need to do is bring that, that Dracula back in a way that uh, people will want to embrace it. Mm. Um, you know, just to touch on the sexuality side for a minute, I, I, I've got a friend, John Browning, who wrote a, who wrote a book on all this, um, about vi- Dracula and visual media. And if and if, if you've got to look at the, the sign of the times when the Dracula films were getting very popular, the horror side was huge, but so was the risque element if you wanted to go and see cleavage, flesh, women sort of exposing themselves to this suave guy, you went and watched a horror film. You didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't go see a, a porn or X-rated film. That wasn't. You know, wasn't even out there because censorship was so tough. Censorship was quite tough on Dracula films. You know, it wasn't until 1958 when you could see blood coming out of Christopher Lee's mouth. You didn't see any blood in, in Bill Lugosi. Mm-hmm. You didn't even see fangs. So what you're what you're seeing was this is, you know, the early movies when these ladies were in their sheer negligees and so on. That was as sexual as it would get. And then the thing moved into the sort of the 60s and the 70s when the movies, other movies were starting to show skin and flesh. So the Dracula movies, the vampire movies had to become better themselves rather than just a little horror and a little flesh. So Anne Rice, um, Interview the Vampire, Stephen King, Salem's Lot. And then, of course, the 92 Coppola comes around. It is romantic, but there's not as much necessity to show flesh. Mm. So that that metamorphosis of kind of a lot of flesh and back down again, because you can go watch an X-rated movie, R-rated movie anywhere now, but the vampire movies have to be good. And that's what Chris and I are having to you know, deal with is we've got to make these stories interesting but they've got to be based uh, in the information that I have dug up over the years. What did Bram leave out of Dracula? What stopped in his notes? What was taken out of the typescript that Chris and I can use as, as material? So that's the way we stay relevant to the original source, but kind of ease people to our way of thinking. 
That's got to be super fun for you, Chris, being able to go through these notes and stuff, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's good to it's good to get back to the original roots of the character. Certainly, um, I mean, I have I have no interest in writing romance. That's all. <laughs> um, not a know, Twilight sequel. Come on. Uh, no, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. No. Um, you know, I love the sort of the Thirty Days and Night vampires, you know, yeah. Apex Predators, all that sort of stuff. But Dracula is even different from that. I mean, I mean, Dracula is a, a very intelligent uh, hunter, you know, and he lays traps for people. And you know, he's a narcissist. He's a supreme narcissist, and he is absolutely evil. There is no redemption in Dracula whatsoever. There is nothing there. There's no light in him. So if I can take you guys back to the scene in the book, and I I, I wrote this, this was in Voices of Dracula, and Jessica voiced it. Jessica Martin voiced this as Mina. Oh, cool. Mina just the scene, yeah, she's the been scene on where the scene where Mina uh, is drinking from Dracula's chest, and everybody's seen this in a couple of films, and it's oh, isn't this essential and all the rest of it? Mm. What we did with that was we we reasoned that. Dracula's dead body. So whenever he takes his dirt-encrusted elongated fingernail and cuts open his breastplate and the blood and the pus starts to ooze out and he takes Mina's head, slams it into his chest, she's forced to drink that. And there's a reason for this. This is a form of unholy communion. And anybody who knows anything about the occult knows that blood and pus are used in uh, an unconsecrated wafer. This is what I believe that Bram Stoker was really getting at. Right, this okay. un, this form of unholy communion. Uh, but he, he does it at the time period that he knows that the band of heroes are going to come in. He looks at Jonathan Harker, takes Mina's face, shows, proudly shows uh, Harker what has happened to his wife, and throws her across the room. And it's almost a challenge of, now do you want her? And Harker's a hero. Because here, what does Harker do? Immediately runs towards his wife. And these are the points of light in Dracula. You know, we've mm. we've got a lot of the darkness, but there's the points of light in Dracula. And I I think you know, Harker's actually one of the one of the, the lights. You know, Decker and I are redressing this whole thing about Harker being a milk sop and a you know a bit of yeah. a cuck and a guard and all of that. Yeah. The guy escapes Dracula's castle. He, yeah. he maintains a form of sanity. He comes back to London. And when he's asked, you know, do you want to do you want to go up against this guy again? And he, more than anybody, perhaps even more than Van Helsing, knows what he's up against. Hmm. And what does he say? Yeah. Yeah, I, let's do it. I mean, he's an 80s VHS action hero, just that no one ever realised <laughs> it, didn't they, really? It's, it's that totally... If you think about it, because logically... And it's, it's always the obvious, isn't it? Like you say, Harker's got this whole, oh, he's such a weak you know, character, he does all this. But he literally escapes from the darkest place and yeah. decides to go back at it. Is there anything braver than that? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, but everyone just thinks, oh, Jonathan Harker's a bit. Well, that's why I think he's got a good marriage with Mina, because Mina essentially does the same. Hmm. So after she encounters Dracula in that horrific scene, and she's, you know, she's infected, she still continues to want to help destroy this creature. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so completely different from Coppola's ending. Mm. You have a Mina Harker who wants to destroy this evil in this world because she recognizes it for what it is. This narcissist, um, demonic individual who just has to be has to be stopped at all costs. Did you have something there, Dai Yeah. 
But I want to ask Vince and, and the rest of you sort of a, not to put you on the spot, skill testing question here. Oh, God. Vince, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Harker escaping from the castle. In 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 whatever rendition comes to your mind, either first, second, or third, and any of you guys here, how does Harker escape from the castle? I was how just going to think that as Vince was talking about it, and I cannot recall. Yeah, I anybody? Because if you're listening here, other than the guys on this panel here, He's... what do you think? How do you think he got out? I oh, we know where God. he ended up. Yeah, right? he ended up in 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 Budapest, right? In in the uh, convent, being taken care of by Sister Agatha. I'm thinking. Uh, are you saying he's it? allowed to escape? Is that what you're saying, Taker? Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not making I'm any judgment. Of, I'm thinking of things, but it's almost like I'm not sure if my mind's just making it up now. Go for it. Like, yeah, that's it. Did he? Did he? escape down the side of the castle did he climb out did he no because there's that bit where he he looks out the window and dracula's on the wall climbing up oh yeah you you, you in a way you're, you're right he did have to climb out but that's yeah. only to get to another window, window. On, the, on the evening that he he caught dracula in the in the room and he tried to kill him but i'll, I'll put, take care of your agony and and you know <laughs> it's great it's a great question tony what am i leading to i'm leading to the fact that it wasn't in the story. Okay. It, it was it was not in his notes. And I've actually seen the Dracula typescript and I've seen things that were taken out. First three chapters were taken out and the ending was changed. Oh, wow. But the problem with the novel Dracula back in 1897 is it was already at capacity as far as length of the story goes. You know, paper was mm -hmm. very expensive, ink was expensive, the printing process expensive. That was the extent of what a book could be. Bram had lots of ideas. He didn't He didn't include much about the voyage of the Demeter. He just mm -hmm. had a ship's log and now it's turned into a movie years later. Yeah. But Chris and I are actually, without spoiler, are filling in what we believe to be in keeping with what Bram led us to to believe about Harker in the castle and other things and the fact that he is a hero and he's very resourceful how he got out which which you can't tell you just yet okay. but to me it's it's fascinating because it's one of the key elements that we just like you know just like Vince like you said we think we kind of get it yeah but it never really yeah. happened there was no description yeah. of it yeah. yeah, we might put it's, that it's, to our audience and yeah. ask them when we put the, the episode. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's cool. like the, the voyage itself. Um, mm. I mean, we all know. I mean, it's one of the cla one of the classic moments of the book, and it's just such a short part of it, really. But because it only hints at things, the reader almost paints the picture in their head of what happened on that That's, journey. Yeah, yes, it's much more terrifying, I think, that way. When everything is sort of you get you get the idea you know Dracula is in 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 the one of the crates of dirt, and you know bad shit's going to happen. Yep. You know there's mist, which is Dracula's power. Yeah. And as the as the crewmen either jump overboard to uh, avoid Dracula or get vamped, that the ship can't sail itself. Mm. So something's going on. I will I will tell you something that that Chris and I did notice about about a scene in that. Uh, in the book now in the book there's a scene where one of the mates is on the deck and he and he freaks out and he comes down to tell the captain he's on night watch and he said i saw this creature this tall thin man in black in in the mist and i took out my knife 
and I stabbed and I stabbed and I stabbed. So he he obviously didn't kill Dracula, but he stabbed this Dracula creature in the mist. And many people overlook that. And that is if Dracula had the power in the mist to avoid being stabbed on the ship, why couldn't he have done that in other times in the story? Is it because okay. it's nighttime and he had all his powers? And during the daytime at the end of the novel, when the sun was going down, he didn't have his powers. He couldn't yeah. avoid the, the knife going in by Quincy Morris. So it's it's one of those teeny little two-sentence things that you wonder, what is Bram telling us? Is that inconsistency or is he doing that on purpose to, mm. to say, you can't get me. You can't touch me. Yeah. I was wondering about the uh, the Van Helsing character, like because am, am I right in thinking that he has prior knowledge of vampirism or of uh, Dracula himself? I can't recall. Uh, is that something Chris, you guys been looking at exploring? No, Chris. Chris has a really good answer for that because we've touched touched on it. Chris, why don't you go ahead and say that? Yeah, one? He, he does, uh, okay. and it's it's connected to his personal life. Um, if you grab the novel uh, Dracula's Bedlam, you'll see. You'll see what happens in there. Right, okay. uh, Dracula's Bedlam and Voices of Dracula go and delve into that in the Stokerverse. But yeah, it's 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 a personal thing. Now, I want to. I'll take you to a, a scene in the in the book on how we know that Dracula isn't taking Lucy uh, because of a booty call or anything like that. <laughs> he knows Dracula knows the connection that Lucy has to Seward, and he knows Seward's connection to Van Helsing. When he starts to transform Lucy, he knows that Van Helsing is going to be called, and Van Helsing is going to recognise the signs of vampirism because he does straight away. He knows exactly when he when he pulls down, he sees the little marks. He that's a gasp. He knows exactly what it is. Yeah, the trouble is, sorry, the trouble is he can't convince all the rest of the band of heroes. It takes half yeah. the book to do it. Yeah, so go ahead, Chris. Sorry. So, so then we have uh, a situation where Dracula knows that. Van Helsing's hubris is going to lead Van Helsing to say, I can save her, but Dracula knows that he can't. So whenever he fully transforms Lucy, Lucy's in the crypt. Van Helsing, his only recourse is to go to the band of heroes and say, see this woman that you loved? Well, she's now become this inhuman monster, undead monster, and she's taking children and doing God knows what. And the only way to save her is to go into the crypt, stick her through the heart, cut her head off, and shove garlic uh, in, in the mouth. So, in this essence, Van Helsing has to go to the men that loved Lucy the most and desecrate her memory, then ask them to desecrate her body. Dracula is thinking, they're going to think he's a crazy old man, hmm. and walk away from him. And then Van Helsing's going to be on his own, which is... And essentially powerless, and this is this would be Dracula, one of Dracula's victories, because he's a vengeful bastard. Um, but what actually happens is because the, the some of the band of heroes have already had adventures in the supernatural, they're not so quick to dismiss it. Uh, and no, I'm not going to elaborate on that one. But it's the classic uh, well, villain, a villain thinking they've got every every angle covered. And it's the the one thing that they just didn't think. This thing, oh, no one's going to come up against me. But the one person that says, "Enough." Well, evil always, evil always, um, you know, uh, 
it, it doesn't realize the power of good. It doesn't realize the power of hope and love. And you know, even with even whenever Lucy is transformed into this uh, monstrous sort of creature, the men still love her, love the memory of her. So they will do butchery, and it is when you're killing a vampire, it's fucking butchery. Hmm. And when you do, when they are doing that, it's okay. There's the love there, and then there's the hope because you see the peace in Lucy's face because she's been laid to rest, and her spirit and then can go on to wherever. Uh, and Dracula is a theological book. There's a lot of theology in Bram Stoker's work that doesn't get explored. There's a there's massive a worship worship element to it, isn't there? Mm. You know, it's worship me kind of element to it. Sorry, Dave, you had your hand up there, mate. Well, uh, I wanted to address just Dan brought up Van Helsing, and I just wanted to address it for a moment that okay. all the characters in the story are mergers of people that Bram knew and had, had, had knowledge of, either knew personally or had knowledge of through other people. And I've just got to put this out there on the record for you guys and your listeners. Dr. Seward is about 90% Bram's eldest brother, Sir William Thornley Stoker, who was a right. who was knighted for his uh, medical uh, knowledge, his contributions to medicine in Ireland, head of the Royal College of Surgeons, both physical doctoring as well as mental health doctoring. That's where Renfield comes from. That's a, that's a statement that that the Stoker family is making about mental health in that day and age, and Bram wove that into the the story masterfully. But also Van Helsing was somebody um, that Thornley Stoker knew, as Seward did in the story. When Thornley traveled to do his medical studies, uh, I believe it was a guy, and I'm not the only one that believes it, it's, it's based on a German Max Mueller, who was a, a, uh, a doctor, but he was also uh, big into superstition. But also think of this character. He was a lawyer, he was a doctor, he was a professor. He had incredible breadth of knowledge and all those bits and pieces came together when he was trying to uh, figure out what to do with Lucy and later Mina and explain to the band of heroes who are a great cross-section of society how, how this vampire has come to our shores. How do we understand? How do we believe that uh, a, a vampire could possibly be here? I, I, you, you must believe. Believe in things you know not to be true which is a classic okay. line in the story that Bram borrowed from Mark Twain, his neighbor. Uh, but that's the whole idea is you can, you know, as science is advancing in the Victorian era, Charles Darwin has just published origin of the species. And all these guys are beginning to believe more in science than they are in religion. Bram is saying, no, we've got to keep these things together that the merger of all good things we have to have faith in goodness, science, and religion at the same time. That's why Chris says it's a it's a theological story. Yes. It was once explained <laughs> to me in, in in Dublin, Ireland, at the 100th anniversary of Bram's death in the church when the vicar said, Dacre, I'd like to proceed down the aisle with a copy of Dracula next to the Bible. And my son, who was with me, was a religion and English major at college. His dad, that's not a good idea. I said, I said, it's okay, Parker, don't worry. And the priest said, don't be silly. They're both books about good and evil where good wins out in the end. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if, if you wouldn't mind, guys, just moving it back into the area of the Yazoop-funded <clears throat> comic and everything, um, what is – so I, I'm staggered how much thought has gone into this. It's pretty Yeah, kind of like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. 
you've 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 captured us there, guys. But what is there in a comic format that you think you can do beyond the novel, beyond the film, beyond the audio play? What 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 sort of enticed you into that medium? Well, I'll go first because it was it's it's really Chris's forte, but yeah. I, I can't draw to save my life. Bram <laughs> actually was the founding member of the Dublin Painting and Sketching Club, and I said, okay, oh, wow. enough. Okay. It's time now to go into a medium that Bram was very comfortable in, theatrics and art. But also, let's be honest, nowadays, people aren't reading the novel Dracula as much as they are looking at comics, watching film. And it became very obvious that we can be very creative and touch a new audience in an artistic way. Um, and, and that's when, after Chris's first foray into this with Dracula in space, it was it was obvious that he's he's the guy to help do it. He's the one that, that found the different artists. He found Scratch Comics. And he's the one that actually said, guys, I know about, you know, the Lambertin worm. I, I think we need to merge this together. So it allowed us to merge things in a way that it would be comfortable, easy and entertaining for people to to read. So, Chris, you get to go next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I've had a particular fascination with comics for about five years now. Um, and I love the uh, the medium because you can do anything you want in it. And you grab a good artist, you can do whatever you want. You can show whatever you want. You can display it. Um, it's mass media as well um, and affordable. So you can get it in the hands of, of everybody. Um, Most, mostly yeah, affordable, Chris. Yeah. Mostly <laughs> yeah, affordable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I suppose I'm I'm still looking at the the era of the of of comics, you know, back five or six years ago. But um, yeah, I love the synergy between a writer and an artist, uh, and I've been lucky that all the artists I've been dealing with and all the various things I've been working on have. You You've know, got some crackers have, on this uh, book, man. I've got to tell you that you. How did yeah. did Shane hook you up with the artists on this book? Did he or yes, yes. So uh, with. Chris, Chris's work's great. Um, I think it's that it, it gives a sort of like, um, there's almost like a surrealism to the work okay. in the first issue. The second issue, we're starting to deal with more um, real life events, more historical events. So Chris's, Chris's work becomes a little bit more solid. We're not dealing with Dracula returning and all the forces of hell and all of that kind of stuff. So Chris has got a, a way of being able to sort of... Um, there's real Shane. people talking, you mean, that sort of sort of scenario. Yeah, it's real more people details. talking. There's, there's more details. There's more historical details. So like we've been providing photographs of real events and all, all that kind of stuff. And then okay. Chris is able to sort of bring that in now. So it's a lot more, uh, shall we say, um, grounded in reality. A lot more. It's it's, it's more solid. There's, it's not the same surrealism. Matt's artwork, uh, Matt's colorings incredible and pairs. I worked with Matt a few years ago on a funny enough on a vampire story and he was outstanding yeah Yeah, really love him he did me a he did me a scanners commission do you remember I showed you that guys the scanners yeah fucking hell he's great yeah really good so you know and then Dave Hitchcock obviously he's fantastic with details what Decker and I do is we put a lot of occult details into the panels uh with Dave stuff so whenever you read it the first time, you might not catch it. The second time, you might you might start to see things um, because the, the occult was very much in, with Bram as well because he was a Freemason. Uh, he was involved in the occult. We suspect, we don't know, we suspect that he was involved with the Order of Golden Dawn. Um, so in a, a lot of our a lot of our scripts, we put occult things in there. 
And with our FOFSU2, Dave is actually doing a side strip which may reveal the real person behind Dracula. So not Vlad III. Dracula was not based solely on Vlad III, but a real person that Bram Stoker knew. And Bram Stoker said that Dracula was a true story. So oh, Dave's okay. doing that. So, so you're going with the sort of the main story and a backup story again? Is that the plan? Main yeah. story, backup story, and then a text-based story, which brings in uh, all our characters from the Stokerverse. So we've got okay. uh, Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein's creature. We've got a Stokerverse uh, version of uh, Sherlock Holmes because Conan Doyle was a great friend of um, Bram Stoker. Uh, he Conan Doyle was also a Freemason involved in the cult as well. So we've we've all of that. That's that. Those are the, the sort of the three main parts of the comic, and then um, you know you'll have Decker's commentary there. You'll have little pieces, little bits and pieces from myself, and also uh, an intro from Tim Quinn, who you all know. Yeah, he was the uh, editor of Marvel. Uh, did the UK. cartoons? Tim Quinn and Dickie Howitt used to do the Doctor Who stuff and all that sort of thing, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So he's quite a raconteur, a... isn't he? As well, have you? He is. He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. He's a legend in the comic book industry. So he really, uh, he really enjoyed Dracula issue one, and uh, it's nice to just get that little, that little. So, how did you hook up with Shane? How did that come about? Shane in Scratch Comics, isn't it? Is the imprint? Yes. Yeah, well, Decker and I wrote a, a strip whenever he was uh, working with uh, Scar Comics, and we did Dead by Dawn. So we we wrote this okay. sort of comic strip, which was uh, about a band, a rock band in the 80s. And they had a rather mysterious manager who the uh, he was kind of um, entrancing the lead singer. And the other band members decided to kill him, murder him. And then they remove the body and think that they're safe. Uh, the lead singer starts to see a mist come from under his door and, you know, you know what's happening there. Mm. The inference is that the, the manager's actually Rasputin because okay. they try and kill him with poison, they shoot him, they stab him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's actually a vampire. And then, you know, there's vengeance is wreaked upon the rest of the, um, of the of the band members. So we did that. And then whenever Shane uh, created the Scratch imprint, he came to us and said, look, guys, I'd really like to do, you know, um, I'd like to do something in your Stubberverse. So... Yeah, we decided we would do something that ties in um, sort of the White Worm, uh, Crompriotch, and um, and Dracula. So yeah, it's it's a great partnership. Yeah, he's, he's a nice guy. Is, is it, so? But well, the first one kickstarted, and the second ones with Zoop. Or we were you with Zoop originally? We were with Zoop. Yeah, so Zoop, okay. Zoop for the two campaigns. Okay, yeah, right. and we we found Zoop. They were quite really new good. at that point, weren't they? Yeah, we, we find them really good. Um, you know, they're they're great at pushing comics and they're four you know, they're they're four comics. Um, mm. you know, very comic specific and comics. Yeah, I've just it. I've just backed the Shaken book as well. I mean, they're really shaking up the world of um because it's not completely crowdfunding, they're a kind of pseudo publisher, aren't they? They do yeah. more than just crowd being a crowdfunding yeah. platform. Yeah, they're a distributor as well, as far as I know. Yeah. So that means that we can get um we can get the comics out in a timely manner. Um, to you know, our fans and stuff, so it's great. Yeah, go back and listen to the Jordan interview because yeah. he was yeah, great, wasn't he, guys? Yeah, great yeah. platform. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Dacre, has, has comics been your jam previously? I know you're obviously a learned um, reader of uh, <laughs> gothic novels, but uh, have you have you have you dipped into comics over the years? I have to admit, when when you guys said, uh, "All right, we're going to talk your favorite Dracula comic," I hadn't read <laughs> many. Uh, right. I, I grew up on Mad Magazine. 
I don't know you guys. We love man. I mean that 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 was that was my satirical approach to life. Mm. I was like so into sport. I, I actually trained. You're a pentathlon, you were Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I qualified for the eighty Olympics, and because the boycott wow. didn't make it, and then became a coach. So I honestly didn't have much time for anything other than my fix of Mad Magazine. But recently, just you know, before I got involved in Chris, I was I was I, I, people come to me all the time for intros to books afterwards, so on. Legendary comics, uh, uh, Robert Napton came to me because I have been in close contact with the Lugosi estate. Lynn okay. Lugosi has taken up from her father, who is Bela's son. Um, you know, Bela's father basically won the lawsuit to regain the intellectual property that universal films managed to wrestle away uh or at least didn't acknowledge that there was any reason to pay the family anything for bell's likeness and so on so he won that back and then the daughter took over and lynn and i have appeared on shows together we talk frequently about geez what are you doing to protect the intellectual property and so on mm. of your your famous relative so they were doing a dra legendary dracula where in the graphic novel, all the Dracula scenes are Bela Lugosi. Oh. And I thought that what a what a great idea. And so they asked me to write the afterword. And so that that's that's my favorite one uh to date because honestly I haven't read too many others. Um uh, I spend so much time when Chris sends me ideas, what we're gonna do in the script, these are pencils, what do you think about this? And they get colored. I mean it to me it's 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 all encompassing. Yeah. as well as I'm still writing novels with with other with other mm. folks still developing other ideas so um yeah that oh. that's my favorite at the moment and I'm, I'm proud to be in it it's it was a great a great graphic novel and 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 really I've got it in front of me although you guys can't see but uh, L Gehring and and uh Carrie Gamble did incredible Oh Carrie Gamble is the rules so hey, nice. oh, that is nice yeah. beautiful yeah, yeah. It, I mean it, it really is it's 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 oh, it is it, nice. it's yeah. a good work yeah and, yeah, and I love that sort of this darkness stuff. It's like David Hitchcock. Not that I don't like the coloring of, of uh, Gary and Soph, but it's just, you know, it just has that great Victorian vibe. Nice to have that yeah. comparison, those two mm. versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You can always uh, release a black and white version down the line for a few extra quid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan's always thinking of the money. Those works. Uh, <laughs> what, what about you, Chris? What, any favorite comics over the years, vampire comics? Yeah, well, I have to pay tribute to my old mentor, Pat Mills, uh, Requiem hey. Vampire Night. Requiem Vampire Night uh, is a damn good... Um, I read that on um, Global Comics just yesterday. I reread it yesterday, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing, good. isn't it? Yeah. I think... Actually, I think that's his best work. I think okay. that's there's definitely his best work. Um, you know, I've mentioned the Batman Red Rain trilogy. I, I like that. I think that's the best of the Elseworlds uh, stuff. Mm. Um I don't read an awful lot of vampire comics. I actually don't read a lot of horror. It always okay. amazes people that I don't read a lot of horror or watch a lot of horror. Um, but, you know, I have enjoyed 30 Days a Night. And, you know, I, 30 Days a Night's interesting because it's like, it's Assault and Precinct 13 yeah. <laughs> vampires. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I think that's why it works so well. It's like the perfect environment for... Uh, for these vampires to exist for 30 days. That synopsis they, alone, and you just hear the synopsis. It's a great pitch, isn't it? It's right. just like, that's just yeah. a win. That's, I think that that's what works about 30 Days a Night because it's, it's so good. And I've read some of the other sequels and stuff, but nothing has, has surpassed that original. Yeah. Yeah. The, the speed of the vampires, the ferocity of them, 
um, the evil, like the 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 sheer evil of them as well, which I you know I adore that you know it's not that it's not that we've got the whole oh my god I'm a vampire and I live forever and oh it's so bloody hot it's so hot like all this money and I don't know what to do fuck that these things are coming at you at ninety miles an hour tearing out your throat yeah playing football with your head and having a damn good time right yeah. and that's what sells that's what sells the you know the, the comic uh, mm. comic to me um, so those would be the three I think okay yeah cool yeah yeah and, and let me just say this I've been to Alaska Chris and I have chatted about this I, I go up there for fly fishing but in the summertime when it's daylight the whole time yeah. with the exception of about three o'clock till four or five o'clock in the morning but I've spoken to taxi drivers up there who pick me up at the airport and bring me to the place where the float plane takes me says bloody awful in the winter time he said it's and, and i mentioned my my pastime with bram stoker they go oh have you read 30 days of night you know it's awesome it's like so bloody scary because it's all freaking nighttime all the time and it's dark and cold and you know you never know and you know they got real blood-sucking creatures up there as well i mean the bears the moose the wolves you know you, you take a wrong step out at the nighttime to to go out to the to the to the john you have to do outdoors you know you you could doesn't have to be a vampire danny houston was was so bloody scary with those teeth it's unbelievable. amazing isn't he? Yeah, yeah he's great now yeah. yeah yeah more of that soon instantly yeah in oh yeah yes. yeah we're yeah. maybe talking <laughs> yeah. a little bit more about that series on a future show um but in terms of like crafting this book um i was struck by something earlier that we were talking about that um obviously with Dracula only being a certain percentage in the novel, and a lot of it is reputation or the things that you don't see or people's descriptions of the great evil. So there's not so much sort of physical things, but comics are a very visual medium. So what were the challenges in terms of sh showing? Because it's not... It's, it's the least showy showing. of that group of characters when you mm. think about it. You know, is werewolves are more showy, aren't they? Frankenstein's yeah. more showy. How do you? Yeah, you're right, Vince. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to overplay your hand with Dracula, mm. do you? So how do you find that balance in a comic book medium for that character? Well, I mean, you, just just like I said earlier, he exists in the in the mostly in the minds of others, and everybody already knows, you know, what the classic Dracula looks like. What we try to do is disguise him so that you're still guessing where is he it's it's the enemy that you don't see is scarier than the one you can actually see you know mm -hmm. and i was at a panel once at san diego comic-con where someone said you know what's scarier nowadays is being in a public market and there could be a, a guy with a vest on that's going to blow everybody up they all look like you as opposed to the guy walking down the street with an ak-47 which is terrible in itself but you know you can you can kind of run for cover or think you have a chance so it's disguising dracula in a way blending him in with with other people in the story putting disguises so you still even though we all know that dracula is out there hmm. you really don't know when he's going to strike or how he's going to affect you the reader on behalf of the characters in the story so is there you know is there potential for like having a crowd scene and dracula's in it but you're not highlighting it it's a difficult thing to uh, to do isn't it because in comics you you kind of have to notify the reader in some ways yeah, oh by the way that one yeah. you want to keep your eyes on that one you can't really you know 
you can't really do the hidden trick and just think, oh, I'm the only person that knows that Dracula is that person in the crowd. Um, there are interesting challenges with this sort of medium, isn't it? That is very in your, it's very visually in your face with a character who yeah. is hiding. You know, were there any, um, were there any particular points in like your stories or like the, you know finding those gaps in in the in the law that you could play with that were uh, bigger challenges i'm gonna let chris others? tell you with i mean he's gonna balance an edge here between spoiler and not spoiler yeah but uh chris chris had a brilliant idea uh in the second one that i thought a number of them but one in particular to kind of keep the uh not just dracula but somebody else sort of hidden in plain sight yeah there's in the main strip so the first thing is in the main strip of issue two you have um and this is interesting you have a call back to the side strip so i would almost say read the two strips first and then read the first one again and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about god i have to be so cryptic Uh, (laughs) it sounds like i'm talking bollocks when i do that but do do that um but it is the it's the figure that we believe that Dracula was based on a very real person. And um, it has ties to the, the, the devil himself. Now, whenever you sort of, when we talk about, um, we talk about, uh, you know, difficulties of portraying stuff, trying to portray Dracula's descent in the first issue to these Lovecraftian gods and the various shapes and, and changes and chrysalises that the Lovecraftian gods come out of was very challenging. Because again, it's their their metaphors, their their metaphors for spirituality and all sorts of things. There, you'll actually see a, a metaphor to Shiva in there as well. Okay. Um, the thing about Dracula is that there's reasons for everything in the lore, and trying to show that in the comics is very difficult. For example, do you know why Dracula is afraid of the crucifix? Why are vampires afraid of the crucifix? Okay, so no one was crucified. That was a, that was a complete blank. Then we yeah, all no, like, no, 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 yeah. so the most famous <laughs> thing that vampires, that the vampires are afraid of, and most people don't understand this. Yeah, yeah. The, the crucifix uh, isn't a depiction of a Roman murder. The crucifix is a depiction of the equinox of the sun. Okay, no Roman was ever crucified on a T-shaped cross. Christ was crucified on that cross, and what happens when Christ dies? The sun disappears. The death of the solar god, the equinox. Okay, that's the reason why Dracula is afraid of the cross. Why is Dracula? Why, why, why are vampires allergic to silver? Oh, I feel like I'm in the worst pub quiz in the world because I'm right, yeah. failing on everything. So, uh, <laughs> Judas Iscariot betrayed Christ for thirty pieces of silver. Okay, yeah. so there's all these reasons why, and Decker and I are sort of teasing these out and bringing these out in various characters, and and in comic books it's hard because these are ideas. Yeah, how do you show that idea without it becoming stupid and hammy, and somebody produces a cross, and then somebody's ah, and the vampire retreats. The very serious nature of the power of the sun, of the power of the sun when it comes to life itself, because the sun is life giving. The power of the sun when it comes to ancient religion and modern religion, trying to portray all of that so that there's a depth and a layer to the things that we're doing. Um, I mean, the, the the concept of the 
of the white worm from Crioch. Essentially, that's where Halloween comes from in Ireland. Sawian is the worship of Crom Crioch, the white worm. So blood would have been spilled, would have been sacrificed, and all sorts of things that would have happened on Halloween to satiate Crom Crioch, who was the fertility god. You actually see Crom Crioch and Slain, Pat Slain, very interestingly. Uh, he and I had a conversation about that once. But that's, you know, so we, we've got the white worm, we've got all of this historical context that Bram would have known whenever he injected this into the story. Um, Decker and I have got to get this in a 22-page paint strip. <laughs> that's the thing, it's, a, it's a jigsaw, there's, isn't it? Yeah, there's, it really there's is. a lot, and yes. we want to bring that depth in. But you'll see an issue, too, that the, what the white worm has done with Dracula. When Dracula returns, try and not spoil it for people who haven't issue, read issue one, but the white worm's essential to Dracula's resurrection. And then you'll see that he that he has given Dracula uh, a few more extra abilities, which again we had we had to portray in a certain way, um, and and do that in a in, in three panels, you know, okay. you very very yeah. tight for panels. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. nightmare so, than it. Yeah, this kind of rich knowledge that we have that we're bringing to the table, and I have to pay tribute to um, the artists because you know I sit with them and go okay yeah. this is it these, these are the images this is it. both you know, pros man they look super yeah. pro level you know that's great could easily be an image book we were saying that it's so good yeah it's great yeah. and and you know i'm very grateful for it uh you know decker and i are very grateful for for the for the talents that are coming our way in the stokerverse because it's an affirmation of what we're doing mm-hmm. um yeah. you know we started this i think two years ago or i think i think we started this two years ago um and you know every artist that we've worked with on uh, on these books it, it's just been an, it's just been an incredible process yeah because we've got a writer writes a script you guys know this a writer writes a script and you have an image in your head and that's your image you take it to an artist and an artist will read the script have their image and then there's this kind of synthesis that happens you got to be prepared to, for it to be slightly different as yeah. well it's going to be a collaboration yeah. Yeah. absolute yeah. collaboration yeah. and what what you get if you get some real professionals, you know, I'm lucky in all our projects to be working with Glenn Fabry and stuff, but when you get professionals, it's the, it, they say, okay, well, what about this angle, or trying it from this perspective, or trying it from this, and you listen to that, mm. and if, you, if you're, if you you know, if you're listening to this and you're a comic book writer and you're wondering, you know, you're, you're, you're starting out, always listen to your artists, yeah, because they'll give you the perspective on panels, which will make your work shine. Yeah. It's, yeah, in, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, um, artists wouldn't tell a writer how to write. But, you know, so a writer... Should... They better fucking not, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, oh, we'll, we'll talk about this stuff here. Some, some, artists, some artists will not tell a writer how to yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, I I have, when I started out my career, and I was very lucky because I started out my, my career with Pat Mills by my side, and you, you, you couldn't get a better writer. No. That what was that? Bad. What did you work on with him? Um, so we started, <laughs> I started writing um, reviews of, of 2000 AD, which I had never read before. And that was right. five years ago. And then Pat saw the reviews like that, rang me up on Skype, started a whole conversation. And um, I proofread his. Uh, Spacewalk. Be, be pure, be vigilant. Oh, no, cool. Be pure, yeah, be yeah. vigilant. 
Um, oh, well, were you, were you a, beta, like, a beta reader on that then, were you? Or? I was I was a beta reader on that. Yeah, then, me too, man. You know, that. It was great. It was a great book. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and then, we, and then kind of moving forward, then Pat was like, you know, you can write. I was like, why do, why do you write, you know, George Red story? Why do you write? So, you know, I started doing that uh, in, in various like, fanzines. And then, and then Pat said to me, would you want to write, do you want to write Slain? So what I did was I took Slain and I took um, uh, another one of my favorite characters, his Finn. And I basically said Finn was an incarnation of Slain. And Pat went, yeah, okay. And we got nice. it out and, and people, people liked it. And, you know, Pat doesn't generally allow you to write. <laughs> to write his characters but he he, he did like and he kept pushing me it was it was it was constantly you know and it was a great cool. partnership and then i started working with guys like william shatner and, and all that good stuff so that was, oh, wow. that, was nice. that was fun that was fun too yeah, yeah, yeah um but you know i think you've you've got to listen uh you've got to listen to the artists essentially mm. um whenever you're whenever you're um writing a comic strip or you're in the process of editing a comic strip as well yeah i get you so here's a question, Daker, for you and then Chris as well. So the, the day comes where Dracula approaches you and he says, Daker, I'm going to bite you on the neck. And from that, you can be immortal. You can fly. You get loads of, not, you're probably both married, but you can get loads of women, <laughs> right? Do you say yes? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. No question. Me too. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. I, I just think it's too cool. All those powers, not yeah. just the women or the flying. Uh, I'm in. It's worth a try. What the hell? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> Chris. No, no. And I'll oh, tell you why. Fun. Okay, being allergic to garlic, not been able to wear silver. Uh, you know, Marilyn Monroe to, though, Chris. Come anything. on, <laughs> you know. It wouldn't. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't <laughs> dissuade it me. It's. It's not. It's not a fun lifestyle. No, she's <laughs> great, isn't she? Yeah, isn't she great. Um, nice. You know. Yeah. So no, I. I. I wouldn't be tempted at all. Uh, okay. I think that there's, um, an immortal life is, is not for the human spirit. Okay. Right. Wow. Okay. What. A, what a poetic. That's a nice end. He's only saying this because he is already a vampire. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. His room he looks pretty dark, dark compared yeah. to the rest of It is. He, he doesn't come out at daytime. He's. He, this is the. He's pulling a hoax on all of you. He this, is a, this isn't a, a video, is it? I know it, it took him a while to turn his video no. on. This is some kind of recording. Yeah. Doctor, I'll tell you that now. Yeah. It's because he wasn't showing no, up on normally, it. That's why it wasn't. Got Vampire the Masquerade going on. <laughs> uh, but uh, pardon the pun but this has been a, a bloody brilliant. fascinating yeah. uh, conversation thank you very much gents and obviously the Stoker verse is massive wide never growing and yes, uh, obviously yeah. this book is uh, on its way so if people want to find out more and follow you guys etc where can they find you and this brilliant Dracula book well Chris has just finished creating uh, the beginnings of our stokerverse.com website and then both of us are on Facebook. Um, we've got a Stokerverse page there as well as our personal pages on Facebook. I've, I've got a website, bramstokerestate.com, because there's lots of information about Bram and myself there, as well as some of the cool products. Um, and then my personal page, dacrestoker.com. And I'm, Chris, you can probably tell them where to find you as well, but I think I've given the most of the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my other stuff you'll find in www.dark-legacies.com. So it's probably well known that I have a sci-fi franchise with Claudia Christian. Oh, uh, yeah, we reviewed yeah, that book uh, as well, Chris. Uh, yeah. Did you like it? 
Yeah, lied to you, man. Yeah, yeah. I'll back oh, the that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. That, that's yeah, great. Yeah. So, yeah, so like you'll see all my Terminator work and, and Doctor Who work and stuff in there too. So. Do let us know when the book two, the, uh, the Dracula the White Worm, is on the seat and we'll... Uh... Let our listeners know on the yeah. on the pod. Will... It's, on, it's on. It's on it's there now. now it's, it's available now, guys. Yeah. So yeah. get everybody go out and play so that you can see the continuation of this of this story. Where can they get issue one if they haven't already got it? It's on zip as well. So yeah, if you go yeah, now, yeah, you'll yeah. get you'll get catch up. You'll get catch up issue one and two, and you can do that digitally or physically. Um, and then didn't Shane tell us Scratch Comics website? You can still get Dracula. Return number one there too, I think. You can get it from the Scratch Comics uh, website as well. Yeah, awesome. So many Brilliant. places um, to go. Are you doing any? Are you doing any sort of personal appearances, guys? And we we have listeners from the states as well, Dacre. So are you doing any sort of personal appearances at conventions or? I, I'm actually headed in about an hour to Dublin, Ireland. Oh wow! Okay, Bram, Bram Stoker Festival oh, wow. uh, in Dublin over Halloween weekend. I'm doing some workshops there where I'm talking all about dissecting Dracula. Uh, and then I head over to Transylvania for a film festival about a you know about <laughs> documentaries, and um, yeah, that that takes me up. I mean, I've already been in New Orleans doing events, and St. Louis. Um, so those are sort of American events that have already passed, and then everything calms down the middle of the year, and then it goes crazy again. Uh, April, May, and June, I lead tours to actually Whitby. I'll be doing that in May. There's a good chance I'll be in Derby also in May for the 100th anniversary of the first showing of Dracula on stage. Uh, We're trying to make that happen. And then I also lead another group over to Transylvania in June. And uh, those things are on my Facebook pages as well. Brilliant. What about you, Chris? Do you do cons or anything like that? Do you table with... I I don't really. Maybe it starts, but I don't really... uh, Well, well, the sunlight might burn you to a crisp. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The other hint... That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. This has been amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for your time, your interest, guys. Have a spooky Halloween season. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Right. Take care. And welcome back. Wow. Who'd have thought we'd have got a relation to Bram Stoker on the show? How cool was that? When we decided to do this show all those years ago, and even the, the dark <laughs> period when it became nothing but knob jokes... Little did, little did I know it's kind of ongoing, but uh, <laughs> little did I know that you know we would have moments of true informative nature, mm. and um, we had a meeting of minds around Carrie Munro, which yeah. I thought was marvelous. oh yeah, there, there, there was yeah. that as well. Um, and one of our guests was a vampire, so there you go. That's what <laughs> yeah, we did. Clearly, he's a vampire. <laughs> he's denying it. Yeah, we know he is. Um, but thank you to Dacre and Chris for joining us, and that was. Yeah. Um, to learn so much about this character that you, you can tell I mean when I, I was, think I, was... I was enraptured I don't know what you got and I was just thinking there's all of this wealth that so many comic book writers have just ignored yeah <laughs> I think as well I think it shows the, the validity of knowing your subject yeah, you're totally, going to write yeah. about it yeah, yeah. But there's like yeah. stuff there that I was like I kind of thought I knew that and I absolutely don't no so I fucking have a clue yeah and I don't I'm not professing myself so I'm going to be expert no. on Every that week, every week we we always say Just we know nothing. Um, <laughs> like I'm gonna make myself maybe sound ignorant, but I didn't realize Bram was short for Abraham. That's how little I know I, about. I didn't realize where he moved about to and all that sort of no. thing as well. Yeah, some interesting yeah. stuff there. So, yeah. so um, where is Whitby? Is where is Whitby? 
Oh, Tony, why there. have you asked us that now? Like we do, We've just had like an hour of us not knowing yeah. anything, and you've just They're asked us a basic geography round. question, yeah. and we can't even it. do that. I'm putting it into Google Maps. I should know. It's north somewhere, isn't it? I yeah. don't know. Anything north of the Thames is north for me. <laughs> north Yorkshire. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So Wait, a, bit yeah. of geography, a bit of geography knowledge yeah. for you. And, uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed that. And maybe think a little more about the Dracula that you read in your comics now. Sometimes when you read a real basic... And let's, let's face it, there have been some basic representations of that character. Um, you'll you'll, rec- you'll recognise them a little bit more mm. and just think, no, this is the way you should do it. So, um, and it was just nice to focus on, like, a like a, a big villain. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially of horror, you know. Um, so I've we got... felt... Dracula lined up to watch, you know, the uh, the Coppola version. Yeah, and I'm going to be paying it's attention. For so many years. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. dug it out to watch a couple of films on Halloween. That's one of them. I'm going to. I'm looking forward to the bit where he escapes because I cannot remember how it is done in that no. expressed in that film. It's such a. It's such an interest. I've got such a sort yeah. of almost a lo- not love hate, but you know, an up and down relationship with that yeah. film because it's like, it's both too arty for me and no, yet really aesthetically amazing in the way it's it's. I do yeah. love Gary Oldman. I really yeah, do yeah. love him as an actor. I think he's he's because you know he's like the only leading male actor to have won an Oscar who didn't have an agent employed to promote him to win an Oscar. Wow. Okay. That's that says a lot. Yeah. That's, which I love that fact. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do you get a, a Dracula's castle? You know the, the immortal superhuman. Well, I might like email Gary that, Oldman and say, yeah. "Do you know?" Yeah. But you yeah. fucking you know. don't. Yeah. Just did it. Just did it. <laughs> just see it. See it. One of our friends is just working up there. I might get him to. Get him to email him. <laughs> yeah. How did how did Jonathan Harker escape? Yeah. Oh, yeah well, Reeves. Be... Next time we're in a room with Coppola, we'll go. Here, wanker, come here. Yeah. Can you do your for you. what best fake Cockney accent? What like what like uh, Keanu Reeves did in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blooming, I can't even do it bad, bad enough. Like, he just watched uh... <laughs> Blooming Castle and the bloody thing. You <laughs> just said you just said like from Poppins, a nineteen seventy sitcom. Yeah. yeah, I can't do it. What are you doing in this blooming castle? Why do I turn into <laughs> Uncle Albert from Only Falls and Horses? Right, okay. That was an impression of Uncle Albert. Yeah. You moved your head. What was that, Dracula? <laughs> anyway. Uh... Classic. <laughs> oh, right. dear. Oh, dear. But anyway. From... We're mucking about too much because we can we... see each other. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. And we are loving it. But um, speaking of things we love, we got any shout-outs this week, gents? I have. I do. So um, I don't know if you heard of this one. DUI3. Is an yes. anthology by our community, edited by uh, fucking hell. They're gone now. Uh, edited by our buddy Eamon Clark with some excellent work. Um, what what by was people. that, Tony? What I didn't that? pick you up. You don't hear any... the motorbikes? No, 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 I can't hear any oh. of that. So it just sounded like. You just got really annoyed and went fucking hell. <laughs> oh no, there was like no, you know, ring, <laughs> no, didn't... ring. Yeah, no, I didn't hear that. No, we didn't hear any of that. Like so, crazy frog. So oh, when right, you were okay, talking about cool. the editor, you got irrationally angry for so. I did. He made me angry. No, he didn't. It was some stupid twat on a motorbike. But yeah, what on Eamon? What on everyone for joining in on it? Um, and even 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 we're in it. It raises money for mind a mental health charity. Do something lovely printed copy. And it great. Yeah, do something good. Go to duicomic.bigcartel.com and buy a copy. Yeah. Or at least fucking retweet it or something. Yeah. And that means yeah. fuck all. Yeah. Um, graphic Gospel number two is out and almost sold out. Um, seriously not safe for work. But I've got that right here. Smile. Thank you, mate. Raise Cheers. Camera. Tributepress.co.uk. Uh, happy birthday for Falp. It was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, hey. Falp. Hey. He's 17 now, isn't he? 
Yeah, just <laughs> almost legal. Inferno, The World Dies Screaming is the new Doctor Who comics project from our buddies at Cutaway Comics. For me, these guys are, are becoming four comics, what Big Finish do for audio. Oh, um, great. Wow. I think they're, really, they're putting out a lot of books. This is written by Gary Russell with art by the legend that is John Ridgway. Speaking of um, Swamp Thing, he, he did uh, the first few issues of Hellblazer, didn't he? Go back it on Kickstarter. It's well worth it. Um, and now that we're into the sort of final third of October, it's worth just shouting out everyone in the Slack who's doing Inktober. Every morning I get up, this is... You're doing... Was it Robtober? Robtober. Um, Robtober, yeah. <laughs> fucking... Robtober. I tell you I, what... I've I... never had to Google so many fucking characters. I don't know what the, who the fuck they are. Right. <laughs> two two things. Uh, Robtober... Dan's Robtober's amazing. It's a Rob Liefeld oh, character, characters and stuff. And it's always a joy to see it. Um, your version of Glory made me feel things. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, the other one that, that blew my mind... Was that that character from Captain America? The oh, Rob Life- yeah. And you posted up the cover that that character <laughs> came from. Once again, irrationally angry. I, I was, I, I, I just, just. I was as irrationally angry as that character I, I sent you the picture of from the cover, who looks like he's doing a shit while splitting his uniform. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. I, there's a character. It's one of the cat. The. Uh, Extreme Studios is that his studio done yeah, like that yeah. Heroes Reborn and he's done with it's Ricky Barnes who's like the girl yeah, Bucky yeah. he's sort of jumping forward in the bottom of the, the cover there's a character on the left who I don't know who that is that's Falcon Gareth, I think Gareth Holt considered it as Falcon and then on the right it's got a cap and they're kind of like kind of maniacally grinning and I tried to just sort of hand that up yeah on when I did it's, yeah have you, you tagged him into any of them I've just used like the hashtag Rob Liefeld I've not actually added him Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I might yeah, be an maybe. absolute C on T and then do like at the end of it do a big long th- thread on Twitter and then tag yeah. him in. Yeah, yeah do cool. that. Do that. Yeah. What's the um, response? And I've got a final one. Um I just signed up for Global Comics. Yes. Hey. Nine ninety nine a month. Um the image are on there now as well. Boom. Oh wow, um, nice. People are gonna be talking about it in a minute. Avery Hiller on there. Uh a person we just spoke about, um Mills versus on there. There's so much on there. I've already in twenty less than twenty four hours got my money back by about ten. That's great. I've got yeah, to say yeah. I've not read fucking Vampire Night, and I really want to. Really good. So yeah. that's on there. I think that might be the arm up the crazy. Back yeah, it's crazy. That. Yeah, it's good stuff. So there, my one, guys. Nice, Dan. You got one? Yes, I do. My first one. Uh, you didn't mention this, I think, Tony. If I did, I must have had some kind of brain meltdown. Edison Neo. No, no yes. brainer. Issue one yeah. to five. That covers class, man. He's got the 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 uh, orangutan learning page, yeah. Character, yeah. boom, slam yeah. dunking a ball into a net, absolutely fan- fantastic. So go uh, save the, you know, when you do the Kickstarter and you can yeah. like, tell me when this launches, yeah, you can do that. Edison, got, I know, I know you're a listener, Edison. Um, so, but you're completely unaware of the amount of times on our WhatsApp that we'll send a picture Edison to one another guy. Yeah. Why yeah. the fuck is he not being hired by? I know, <laughs> a I you sent that berserk picture on, but I'd already seen it, and I was like, "This is yeah, fucking amazing!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. this is fucking, no, fucking amazing. Great. Yeah, I'm not I, sure how far you've got into that tea, but I tell you what, if you've got through the first, I need to get back to it, man. I know you, you, you did you give me? It? I can't remember. Only you the said, first yeah. volume of the small mm. volume, but honestly, if you get through the first couple of books and it finds its feet, yeah, you're just in. It's so compelling. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got. But- a shout out to one of the things I did read on Global Comics is uh, I think it's called Vampire State Building. Is that the name of it? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's um, by Charlie Adlard. Uh, It's only three issues. Took about an issue and a half to get going, and then it fucking takes off. Really. And it's nice to see his art in color. Yeah. It's kind of got like New York skyline with the silhouette of the Empire State Building with the just just the best fucking name. As soon as I heard that name, I thought that's genius. Well, what happens is I'll tell you the pitch for it. Empire State Building. Some people are up there saying goodbye to their friend who's going to join the army. Everyone gets turned in the building, but them. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah. How do you how itself. do you cope that? So they have to find a way to contain the Empire State Building and let these people who survive escape. It's great. They come up with some interesting great. ideas. Okay. Yeah. Nice. 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 We've nice. got uh, Underground Comics King- Underground Kingdom Comics presents a UK. This could do with a little help, couldn't it? Yeah, we've got about six days when you hear this, and we're shy about three hundred quid to bump it over the line. It's absolutely yeah. like a wealth of talent in this one. Forky uh, and Falpy, they're in it. Yes, I very much recommend checking it out. Uh, we've got the Viz Quiz. We've had that running oh, for yeah. that one. I've got a couple of entries in. I just want to give you the last chance for you to get your answers in for that quiz. And it was what are the qualifications of the scientist striker for Fulchester FC, which you'll find in the Billy the Fish strip. Yeah, uh, nice. We've got some great it's, prizes for that as well. Yeah. Some yeah. basic Googling will give you that answer. <laughs> yeah. that. So do check that out and get, the, get those answers in to the email or us on socials. What's the email again, chaps? If awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. That's the one. Boom. Oh, go. and obviously DY3 by that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so there you go. Loads of uh, brilliant stuff to check out already. And we haven't even got onto our mm. recommendations. But before we do, we are getting a little bit eerie, as always. And uh, this is anyone... our second to last eerie, isn't it? This, doing is, one the, next week, this is the yeah. second to last eerie. The eerie archives. Some of you have probably already got print versions. Many of you might have bought the humble bundles, which were ridiculous value thousands of pages of strips and uh, we have we've decided to pick out just just a strip that we've read because we've been enjoying going back through these old volumes and to talk about a particular highlight to talk about tony's holding up a, a star lord uh, toy gun that he has yeah it's a nerf um, gun isn't it, it is, yeah. yeah it's a nerf one what's this oh shit it's not working what's this Oh, if How only cool could, is that? If yeah. only we could hear cool. the noise, but the the gun actually made some sort of movement as if it was opening up. And, the the uh, housing on the top and bottom. Oh, it's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Me and my son got one each. We fire them at each other. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, it makes, Don't Tony, makes Don't Tony feel more like a man. So <laughs> and uh, so the Eerie Archives, we're picking out um, strips every time. Thousands of pages. Amazing creators. Too numerous to list them off. And uh, you would have th- you would have thought that with all of this choice, we'd never pick the same one. Well, a couple. <laughs> How could you two manage this again? A couple of weeks ago, I picked a t- tale that Dan had already spoken about on the show before. Easy I didn't. Fu- I didn't fucking realise <laughs> at the time. Easy done. It was a it was a real mind blank moment. This week, because of uh, Dracula, etc. Um, you know, we thought. Maybe if we can find one, let's let's find a vampire tale. And, and certainly Dan picked out a vampire one. And I was like, I know exactly what tale I'm going to be looking at. Tony seems to have some sort of a, a bat signal style butt plug in his hand. Um, and Dan has put on Bret Hart-like 
shades, as if he's yeah. some sort of hacker. The show's going <laughs> off the rails, but I'm going to keep going. But yeah, we we kind of I scanned through because last week's a bit annoying. I did a is vampire he, story. Is he going to talk with those on? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah yes. Uh, Have I did you had vamp- sex with those glasses on ever? No, sadly oh. not. It's on the list. Okay. Get okay. that. Yeah, on the checkbox. Yeah, so we kind of uh, I did a bloody vampire one last week. Thought, right, we're going to do vampirism and Dracula this episode. So let's scan through. We did our classic theory. decide a couple of days before the yeah. episode. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I found this the first one I come across as I was flicking through. Why don't you do you two? You two do yours first, then. Yes. Yeah. Because we picked the same fucking. Yeah. Film. <laughs> it's called First Blood, and uh, art by Eugene Colon. Script by, uh, script uh, Archie, by Archie Goodwin. Return to Eugene. Yeah. I wonder if he was known throughout as Eugene and Gene elsewhere. Maybe. Yeah. The sun's um, light rays shrivel and die like dark tentacles lengthening shadows of tombstones creep and crawl across the cemetery earth and the night's silence rain begins silent save for the grating sound of stone scraping stone from within the confines of the mausoleum he's still got his glasses on folks yeah yeah get in character <laughs> Vince is holding so, up a rubber brain. This is a story where uh, a, a chap's been bitten, isn't he, Vince, by a vampire? Yes. And this is his first night. He's risen from the grave. Um, and he's quite a happy chap when he first He's a very, very happy chap, but um, dialing back into something we were talking about earlier about like the vamp- female vampire's always been femme fatales and the gentleman not necessarily so. This guy looks like someone... He's greengrocer. No offence to greengrocers or anyone like that, but, uh, you know, if you think of a 1940s greengrocer, you know, this guy... I mean, his hair's a mess as yeah, well. he's got the kind of the, the side tufts of hair, kind of like Wolverine, but bald on top. He's so even he's got like goofy, goofy fangs as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's they, got the goofy fangs. <laughs> even though the story is pretty much straight up, it's his first night he wakes up and he realises um, that... That was it the night before he was turned down, like he was just he taking a stroll. Yeah. And uh, he's attacked and turned into a vampire. An unknown and assailant of, turned him into a. He comes out the vampire. tomb and he's essentially like, This is great. This yeah. is absolutely fucking great. I'm a vampire. I've got super strength. I've got power more than I can dream of. And he, he turns into he takes a bat. Into the night. Yeah, as a bat looking for his first victim. He's got no moral compunction about this. He's just like, Good. It's good Fuck to be it. on Let's it. go. Let's do vampirism. Yeah. Um, he tries to attack someone but is warded off by their cross mm. um, and then he um, he heads for another house that um, basically is is the house belonging to someone that he loves his love yeah so, he got attacked on his way to go and see his girlfriend doesn't he yeah he is yeah. punching so far above his weight it's untrue <laughs> absolutely <laughs> he, is, he is it's not even a TKO it's a one punch knockout that, yeah, yeah. He's, he must have some absolute riz on him to uh, yeah well, he got a few quid earn yeah. a load of money from being a greengrocer yeah. yeah so with time running out he decides he, he sort of does the class, he stalks the lady and attacks her and wants to drink her blood he wants to turn her as well doesn't he Dan I think I can't yeah he's like, yeah. like me and her can be I'm going to lock this down and yeah. turn her into a vampire. She's yeah. going to be mine forever. But lo and behold, here comes the eerie twist. She is not alive when he goes to yeah. suck her blood. There's nothing there because she was the vampire that turned him. Turned him. And uh, he realises this too late as the sun begins to come up. And uh, I think, it, I'm not sure how clear it is. Does he die at the end? He does, yeah. Because he dies, but I'm not sure if he's this girlfriend does. It looks like she's just just f's off. Yeah, she's um. So basically, as he's burning to death, 
his girlfriend's oh, well. just having a go at him as well, going, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> no, we've got like a, a little glimpse into that relationship. Yeah. But like, if you're going to turn the loved one into a vampire and the idea that, oh, you're going to join me in a vampire life, you wouldn't just leave them alone in no. Mussolini yeah. to come back and not know what the fuck's going on. Uh, Goodwin's words put it perfectly. Uh, Peter Grimes sinks weakly to the ground, unable to run or flee, unable to avoid the first searing rays of the sun, unable to do more than scream as Lenore's angry words scorch him with the same impact as the destroying sunlight. So that's when when people go, oh, that's a burn. Yeah. It literally is in this. That's a good play on words. Really yeah, I'll be Lenore. like, so what, you're... You, when we're vampire couple, you're gonna have a go at me for all eternity. Yeah, okay. <laughs> bring the sun on. I, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't bring my wife back. Yeah. She wouldn't be. She wouldn't be my fucking millionth choice. Yeah, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. And uh, of course, we've got the classic sign-off. What was the name of the um, the guy from Eerie? That evil... What's oh, the bloke. Uncleary. Is it Uncleary? Yeah. Um, Dan, do you want to read off the sign-off? Yes, he says. That's what Grimes gets for making a surprise visit in the first place. But then I'm sure it's beginning to dawn on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's quite a good strip, this. Yeah, good. quite fun. Uh, and also, like, seeing Gene Colan's artwork, as, as we mentioned before, seeing these artists that you know... So more Famous more, Dracula artist yeah, as well. A more formulaic sort of panel sort of style in the bigger, in, you know, the bigger publishers really go to town with panel structure ink wash you know the black and white colors and everything and it's there i mean there is absolutely no conformity to this tale like there is there is not one regular panel is there dan it's sort of all angular no, yeah hand drawn you know it's beautiful stuff it's, yeah the, all, all the stuff the stories in this are generally just like that they're absolutely great like, mm. yeah uh, yeah yeah so that was a uh, mine and dan's <laughs> yeah nice yeah. double teamed on that one were. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Should I do mine? So yes. mine's from Eerie 36, issue 36 in volume 7. It's called Oh Brother by Steve Skeets, the writer, and Dave Cockrum, the brilliant Dave Cockrum, uh, the X-Men artist as we and Legion Superheroes, etc. So it's got a prologue, this one. So it's got two pages, and then we get into the main story. So the prologue is it's in Manhattan, present day, 1970s, 1980s. An alien ship hovers ahead, and people begin to panic. And a ladder t- comes down, and two humanoid male creatures with tentacles a single eyeball another eye, single eyeball thing carrying blasters climb down the humans including two cops who are their uniform cops can't make out their strange language and the cops shoot them and kill them okay so that's the two-page in- intro prologue to it and then unclear he appears um in a space helmet i like it when they dress him up in different stupid costumes yeah. just to fit in <clears throat> and he says um now we're going to travel back and see what brought these aliens here. And um, they're called Gore and Gnar, of course they are, and they're a pair of scientists, and um, they're in um, prehistoric times, but they're, uh, and there's, they're approached by a dinosaur, um, kind of like a weird-looking, vicious dinosaur thing, which they kill. And then, of course, then you realise, because one of them says to the other, you fucking idiot. What have you done? You've killed an animal from the past. Let's go to the future and see what's changed. Of course, we go to the future and it's one day Manhattan. It's our life now. And that's why they're killed. Uh, so they're actually, so it's that sort of time travel, clever time yeah. travel twist. And unclear, he says, and while you're mulling that one over, gentle spawn of Simeon, remember <laughs> the dinosaur you shoot may be your mother. Not quite sure if that makes sense, unclear, but that's what he says. 
but it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and it's one of those longer ones it's like about eight pages okay you know it strings it out so the, yeah that i like that time travel one and i didn't see that coming no 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 that that's, a, that's a bit of a twist because usually it's like we just did there the first bit in one so oh yeah cool. i'm the vampire too you know, yeah so sort of by killing that single dinosaur it changed the whole of human history we didn't evolve into one-eyed tentacled men we evolved into what humanoid men as we are now sort of thing so that's how it worked so yeah, classic eerie there you go yeah nice one nice cool. one more uh, of them left You've got yeah. to bring out the, the, the big guns next week yeah. yeah and it is so funny so fun sort of reading these sort of tales i thoroughly recommend it if it you know if you think it's not your your thing you know maybe think again because there's some really an inspiration oh, man, stuff I've, it's a if you're a current writer looking for ideas <laughs> there's a lot in there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's yeah. so many just pick one up and you could uh, exp- expand on what you're given there yeah. and make a whole kind of tale out of it completely completely um and speaking of uh great stories it's time to recommend some comics to you lovely people we're time not going to recommend or talk about big game we're no, not. not we're not no we no, do not have yet. one word to say about it. i promised it last week we just got yeah. one word to describe how we feel about it. Doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a huge word, but let's go around the table. Big big game issue four. I'm gonna hyphen mine. Oh, oh. don't you always try to get around it? What yeah. gone? Surprise, sexy. No, you <laughs> can have one. Sexy. Gone. Yeah. Sexy. Damn. Mine's just gonna be whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mine is. It sounds dull, but great. Yeah. There's more to be said, but um, we double get... sized. Finally, use double sized. Double yeah. sized. It's it, got to be. It's got to be. It, it's got to be. If you've been reading it, it, it you understand why yeah. it has to be. So, yeah, great title that. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, we do more stuff. of a kind of uh, roundup when we hit the final issue. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Which is coming out mid-November. Yeah, I really recommend getting on that and reading up so when that last issue drops you can and he's purposely not doing any publicity on the series that follows because he doesn't want you to know yeah which I think is a class act that is yeah it should be that's one of the things that seems to be lost is the showmanship yeah just like you don't know what's happening in these stories you don't know what's going to happen with these characters and it's all to play for yeah cool it's very interesting as is our selection of books this week. Tony, you've got two, but you and Dan are going to um, hold hands gonna double team. and skip yeah, through skip, the field of the recommendations. Skip through the pages of this one. So yeah. I'll lead D-Man. So it's The Hard Switch by Owen D. Pomery. We're fans of Owen's work, actually, previously. Yeah. We've, we've, we've seen him. I've been reviewing his books since before the pod and everything, and... Um, yeah. Super nice guy. Um, published by Avery Hill. Um, I just, I, they kickstarted. They are making, they are absolutely storming Kickstarter, aren't they, at the moment? Avery Hill. Mm. I mean, this got, I think it was up for eight grand and made 44 grand. Well, it's, like way to, it's a good way to get out to your, the it people really who want to buy your books. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and saying that, it is a lovely book, a lovely hardcover oh, book. The way this is put together, I cannot fault at all. Yeah. I think they, lovely. um, they added the dust jacket, didn't they, after, um, after it made so much money. Yeah, it's um, full color, hardback, um, somewhere between A5 and magazine size. It's a nice, interesting size, um, 99 pages of story. Um, we we know that Owen is high on design since Victory Point. I know we, we all, so all collectively loved that book. That was great. So the premise is it's based on a big idea, actually. 
So I like a book. You get this with a lot of hard sci-fi, don't you? It's it's based off an idea of an environment or something that's happened. And um, the hard switch is the moment. So the hard switch, which is the title, is the moment when this mineral called alkanite runs out. And this is the mineral that enables travel between star systems. So kind of... Um, uh, launch. Yeah, a bit like that, isn't it, actually? Yeah. And so unless something else is discovered, which looks unlikely, people are going to be stuck where they are now when this completely runs out. And that sounds okay if you're living in a place that's got, you know, food and mm. water and stuff like that. But if you're not, if you're stuck on an asteroid, you're fucked, aren't you? It's also a bit like kind of like commerce and empires would be kind of ground to a halt and you'd all kind of be cut off from one another. Yeah. So there's kind of a firefly thing where they're scavenging this mineral from ships they find, abandoned space stations, um, places on planets, and it's there's a black market for it. And so the crew are two females and a sentient octopus, um, along with this sort of it looks a bit like a deplocative, you know, like a dinosaur child. A sentient dinosaur child that they find on one of the planets and they're hoping that by traveling through the galaxy they're going to scavenge enough of this alkanite to eventually allow them to keep living but they know time's sort of limited now and it's not a safe venture as you can imagine wherever they are there tends to be other people other creatures other units under other um mafias as it were sort of trying to um trying to beat them to the punch trying to get it and it eventually comes into a conflict with this collector guy who has a private army on a planet. Um, I, I'm going to say I think it's the first of a series because it's got a um, it's got a sort of a, a cliffhanger, isn't it, Dan? It's got like a bit where he goes, I can't say what the ending is, but I kind of think that it's intended to it's be left more. relatively no. open, like that, that there could be more. Yeah. So I guess it's right. made so he's done so well. I, I, guess it's likely that the, the, there will be um it's got poor quotes from tilly walden alex de campy and jeff lemire um i i feel that i i've got good and bad i'm a bit mixed on my feelings around this i'll be honest with you i think owen is a great draftsman when it comes to spaceships you know um asteroid fields space stations yeah architecture there, there's a sort of desert planet with a sort of tatooine-esque village in it and stuff like that um the so that's all great. And there's some definite Mobius vibes here, I have to say. I oh, kind yeah. of think that he's read something. There's a sort of Inkle-style Mobius kind of feel to it. The colouring's not as bright. In fact, I found the colouring a little bit muddy on occasions, but I think he could really amp up, really turn up the colouring. Um, and there's some action pieces in it. Um, there's a couple of stylistic, I'm going to call them tactics, that fell a little flat for me in the dialogue and especially the conversation, the acting artistically. So the facial acting in a character in a comic artistically affects how we read the balloons and the emotions. You know, they can tell whether you're sad or you're angry or you're excited or you're envious or unhinged or whatever you're going to do. And in hand in hand, collaboratively hand in hand with that facial acting comes the lettering Mm. and, you know, whether it's bolded out, whether it's sized, whether it's special effects, with his, you know, just effects on the lettering and stuff like that. Yeah. And I find that those two in hand in hand add to the dramatic nature of a comic. And I think the way that artistically and tactically Owen has gone with these very simplistic faces, which are often just two dots in a line, um, they don't facially act enough 
where in victory point it was almost like a single person wandering around this beautifully drawn environment yeah. in this a lot of it is talking heads and i i feel like there's a there's a, almost um a blandness to the lettering which again i know we had this with the blindness of billy scott it's almost too small i feel for the page a little bit um so i think maybe for a second print or something like that maybe go with something um, a, bit. A, a bit bigger on it yeah um they've got he uses a, a font that is somewhere between um maybe something like calibri and almost like a a handwriting font but a spaced one with there's not it's not there's, joined up handwriting. it's a slight italicization on it as a that's slight, a good way of putting like, it man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, slightly angled uh, yeah and the balloons are sort of slightly oversized in a way that you often and sort of slightly square in a way that you often see with bd work yeah um and i think there's too much air in the balloons and a lack of dynamism to the lettering put it that way because there's no kind of hard line with the the balloons so where you'd get like on some comics the white with a hard black line this is there's no black line it's just like the white balloon yeah okay yeah that's true yeah uh, yeah i didn't notice that man yeah you're right yeah and um i think there needs to be more of it more energy to the lettering and more energy to the acting everything I, else is set up lovely you know it's like beautiful situations and places they find themselves into um there's some elements of this comic that work really well for me there's some elements when it kind of you want the energy where in uh is it victory point the energy of kind of like this kind of it's almost like a dream-like thing of this this girl going around and discovering this rediscovering this place where she grew up and there's like a serene calmness as you kind of take it yeah when you get the moments in this where there's action sequences and they're being strafed by ships i'm not getting it you're not feeling just no it's just really just I, I'm not sure if the art style works especially well in in those sequences for me. Uh, okay, yeah. This feels yeah there's bit... one which is he uses lots of little panels around a central image of the girl, almost posing, isn't there? You yeah. know, with a gun. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I think he's going for something that doesn't he doesn't quite pull off. Yeah, I mean, you know, which God bless of, him, go for it. Yeah, you know for, I mean? fair but, play. Yeah. If I was kind of like looking for like a kind of. A, a manga interpretation say of like a girl on a deck of a ship firing a laser pistol with a sh- ship strafing her it'd be fucking shit all over the place like Danny Warrior Johnson style this one's very much kind of like a uh a, an RT style representation of it yes like, yeah I don't it's not for me yeah I mean saying that it sells it sold like hotcakes yeah so yeah I mean it's for someone wouldn't. yeah and yeah. um and I I will continue to buy anything by Owen um I just think that I think we were so um we so loved that sort of bleak silence and that loneliness that appeared in Victory Point that this doesn't quite hit it for me. Yeah, but... I, maybe I come over pre-expectation pre-expectations of it being hmm. a similar kind of experience. I don't know how Yeah, because the cover kind of speaks to them stuck on a spot, you know, it's they're like kind of stuck somewhere lonely, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing about it. it's not an action image, is it? But yeah. uh yeah, so if you fancy it, if you like the work of Owen, Owen's, you know, he's he's an amazing draftsman. Um oh, totally. I think I think there's some there's some lettering issues there. And it, maybe it's just my old eyes, but maybe a redo on the lettering and repass on it would be I better. Mean, but if, uh, you know there's that big Starfield game, Vince, that's doing the numbers yes. at the moment. I think this would appeal to that crowd quite a lot. Oh, okay. That would definitely I mean it seems almost as fortuitous it's come out at mm. the same time as that's massive because I definitely feel like there could be a crossover with the two. Cool. Interesting. Cool. That's our first one. 
Nice. Vincenzo, over to you, mate. I'm going to jump on board with another issue one. Uh, This time written by... It's an image comic written by Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. Art by Robert Quinn and letters and design by John J. Hill. This is one I saw on the periphery of my vision on Image Comics and the cover struck me. Um, Issue 2 has just come out and as always, the issue 1 dropped down in price so I thought I'm just going to take a punt. He loves a bargain. I'm going to take a punt. And also sometimes with an issue 1 you're not quite sure are you? So sometimes. But this was a massive success and this is Kill Your Darlings. Have you heard about this one? I've heard about it. I've not read it though. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is, uh, I think it's a I'm not sure whether it's a miniseries. Probably. Oh, well, it's an image book, so it'll probably be like a first arc, won't it? That'll be like six issues. Um, eight-year-old Rose loves nothing more than to play pretend in a magical land of her own creation. We still do now. Yeah. To her, that world is as real as our own, from her fluffy friends to the terrible evil that lurks at the centre of it all. In one night, the line between fantasy and reality will disappear, and ancient hunger will feed again, and Rose will be pulled into a gruesome saga that began centuries before her birth. Um, once again, I kind of knew nothing. I didn't read that synopsis. I just thought this looks quite cool. Saw saw the art, and I fucking never read synopsis. You know, I was just going how cool it looks. But I tell you, yeah. when I, do you know when I first read the synopsis? Usually when I'm doing the show. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And even yeah. then, sometimes I edit them when I'm reading them because it gives away too much. It's, sometimes yeah. a lot of these synopsis are for the whole trade, aren't they? I think we've yeah. seen that quite a few yeah. times. Yeah. Um, but this book immediately starts first off Robert Quinn the artist it's beautiful work it's very sort of um, it's a very American comic booky kind of style Um, there's I can see a Scotty Young influence in it in a kind of way but less sort of Scotty Young cartoony style there's he's drawing this is a book that is a lot about kids because where it's set it's it's all about this rose character and like you know she's in an imaginary land it certainly it jumps in tone several times because when it starts um the book starts in 1692 as someone is being burned at the stake so it's quite it's a very dark scene in order to start the book and from this um it almost feels like um did you see the the Evil Dead remake, you know the yes, um, back in the day, and the first, the what, first yeah, what, Evil Dead Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good pull. Um, but the first scene of that is very much this this girl being sort of tied up, and like the parents are there as it's all kicking off. It's it's a small couple of page scene, but it's very powerful, very powerful when I when I read it. Uh, and the colouring's just beautiful on it. It then immediately cuts to um, from that scene of seeing the fire going up and the scream in the sky. It cuts to a, a bright sunshine land. There's a battlefield, and the bat. There's loads of cuddly animals on one side, and there's loads of rats and lizards on the other side. But they're all like little, sort of tiny, sort of little creatures. And the person who's leading the army of cute creatures is Rose. Although she calls herself, uh, well, she has a magical sword called Francine and she's got like a suit of armour. And it's it's very epic. It's sort of strangely epic and it's massive. And then it cuts to her literally in her bedroom, surrounded by stuffed animals, just imagining this. Okay. You know, she, so she's a kid that is very much in her own, own world. And you see when she sees you know it's time for dinner or whatever she goes down her her mother is having interestingly you don't you never see the mother's face 
Like there, there is a panel where you see the the mum and she's just got her head in the hands because it's someone who's working hard, got lots of bills, clearly a single mother. Um, and Rose really has no sort of concept of it. And you, a lot of it is all to do as the story goes on. Rose is the sort of kid that when you create these imaginary lands, she's created a map. You know, it's all done in crayons. The art's really good as well because the 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 drawings by the kids, they must have got a kid to do it because okay. it looks it looks okay. authentic. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It it looks really good. And of course, but she's created this world that she's so completely invested in. Uh, when she goes to school, she meets one of her friends who also seems to be i think they must meet up sometimes for play dates or whatever and then tell similar stories and they can't meet up that night and as rose is um she gets back to a, a house that's for, it's empty her mother's gone to bed early and rose is just really angry and she's looking at one of her drawings and she gets really upset and then something happens she sort of freezes up and she's just stabbing down at the paper with this crayola sort of crayon and her eyes roll back in her head and she's sort of switching into her imaginary world. And when she switches into that imaginary world, she all of her like stuffed animals have been murdered. This book <sighs> is not an all-ages book. <laughs> this is, a, despite the, the colourful beginning, it gets really fucking dark. You know, you have like these... And they've been decapitated. There's bloods every, blood everywhere. She's walking through her kingdom and there's blood and there's viscera... Um, everyone she knows has, has just been murdered and she's like what's going on what's going on and there is a there is a dark evil um, which when I was reading it I really got this sense of uh, you know the never ending story there was that wolf within the, the cave yeah 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 and there was that sort of sense of like this is the way that wolf was it, it went beyond what the story was mm. I, I can see elements of that in it okay and as this hunger sort of comes out and it begin begins sort of breaking out it then sort of flashes back and the cliffhanger for the book had me thinking oh fuck it was a real it was a real the story had me going along you know well, what is this yeah. you're in that you're in that comic booky sort of fantastical you know monsters and but it because it was an imaginary land there was like you know what is this is she trapped in that imaginary land and she isn't because she wakes up outside of her house and the the rest of the neighborhood are there i won't spoil what it is but i was oh, okay. like i was like oh fuck what is this <laughs> what is this book and where's it going i was hugely impressed by this can i go into these number ones thinking i don't go on impress me that's essentially what this, yeah. this i think the test is, is going to be later on when we do this whole are oh, you going to do a year of number one thing yeah yeah which ones you've stuck with that's yeah. what i'm going to be interested because yeah. yeah. I think we're all a bit like this, aren't we? Where we read something and we get incredibly excited by it, yeah, because we're kind of in the moment. But yeah. do we come back to it when it comes out? And without, too later? without, yeah, yeah, without yeah. saying too much, I mean, there's surely going to be titles that I'll do an issue two and three, and maybe go no further. That's yeah. naturally probably going to happen. There's going to be ones where I'll just read them all. You know, you're going to have 52 books on your pull list if you don't do that. You know, if you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but. So far, so good with it, you know, because the hook, the hook of an issue, issue one is the hook, isn't it? That that is yeah. what you you. It's like there's, there's an in. absolute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've said it over the years. It's absolute art setting up a story and getting yeah, people yeah, yeah, yeah. invested. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and they completely do that completely. There's um there's a little um letter and then back from the authors just sort of saying, "Wow, we're so happy to be doing." It. You know, it, it felt like 
writers doing their first book and just being like, we're so happy to be doing this. And uh, it seems like they met like, uh, who's it, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman and Matthew Rosenberg. So I'm, I'm guessing there must have been a convention or something and they just got some tips and... Okay, cool. Yeah, sort of thing. But I, w- I was thoroughly impressed with this book. Considering it was just like a little thumbnail of like, that's an interesting cover. That gives yeah. gi- that gives nothing away about the story as well because the cover yeah the cover man yeah because the cover feels as well as it being very very designed it it's more sort of even though I couldn't see the detail at first it's sort of like the main girl in like a suit of armor which I didn't really notice it almost felt like a grown up Wizard of Oz cover do you know what I mean okay. it felt like a twisted sort of thing like that. and I thought you know I thought I'd go into it so Kill Your Darlings was definitely a real a big thumbs up. But back to your point, Tony. I can tell you, yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be books on my fifty two that won't go. Much keep further. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah there'll be, there'll be yeah, ones yeah. that'll be like. It's got to be, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we're not made of money, are we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. Get on well, global comics. Yeah. I tell you now, I read Rumpus Rooms on there. All these sort of books that are nice. some okay. of the number ones. I'm gonna have to check it out, man. Because nice. nice. that's good value. Nine ninety nine. Yeah. 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 So, kill your darlings. If you haven't checked out now, the second issue has just come out. So, um, I'll I'll be getting that come pay, payday to see where oh. the story goes so okay gents t- tony take us home uh last one is um shaman kane issue 10 look at that hey, dave hey. dave's done 10 well done, dave. ain't that good um it's called node one is the name of the story it's created by our buddy dave brown u.s comic size um i got mine along with a um what did he send me a thanos sketch inked sketch lovely nice uh, i could attach for all for eight quid um he's doing it through you have to buy it through his paypal so if you send him eight pounds to dbrowton at hotmail.co.uk, you can get a copy. Um, loads happens in this. Um, for the uninitiated, Kane is Shaman Kane is a high adventure sci-fi comic in the vein of something I've previously said, something like 2000 AD. I'm going to add into the mix something like heavy metal as well. Okay, and I've nice. got a reason for that. Yeah. He's an armoured, trained and licensed occult operative and works alone or with a small team. Is this a team as well he operates in? He travels between planets, fighting monsters, aliens, supernatural events. In this issue, Kane is working under the direction of a celestial being, and he travels through a dimensional portal to a planet where he finally meets his father. And um, when he meets his father, he's wearing one of those sort of organic, um, like metal organic suits, which he can, you know, change into a sword and stuff like that, yeah. you know. Um, he'd been grabbed out of the zombie wars, so he hadn't met his father before, this first time he met him. And his father had been grabbed out of the zombie wars, which they'd all been involved in, and he'd been put in this weaponized armor and tasked with guarding this sort of interdimensional portal stroke gate. Demons had been breaching the gate, and Kane was needed to help plant a, um, a sentient sort of cybernetic bomb on the other side. So he's he's given this task by his father because okay. he, he can't do it because he's got to stay behind and guard this gate. Um, there's this it becomes like a big running battle dave does well with the the fight scenes and everything and then there's this creature called the mandrake appears which is part sort of speaking man thing but a seemingly as a tree who's also a kind of a celestial being with this sort of sharp sentient man thing speaking character thing going on and it looks great and Dave does a couple of things in this. He's, I, I, I compared him to um, to Metal Hurland, uh, Heavy Metal, because 
I think Dave's been smoking something here, and I like <laughs> I like where I like whatever he's been smoking because this he's really he's tripping out a bit here. There's some real flights of sci-fi fancy here that really work. I think like adding in the second half of the book uh, a sentient tree that helps fight. That's it's great. just you got to do stuff like that in sci-fi because yeah, yeah. sci-fi allows you to do that sort of thing. I think, and Dave really this is his. My favorite. I've worked with Dave a few times now, and um, I think this is my favorite work he's done. Um, so full exposure, full admission. I'm I'm an ex collaborator and friend with Dave. So, um, but the, he does this thing where he uses black and white. Very Frank Miller, actually. Very. Um, do you remember when um, Lee changed to do that Frank Miller style? Do you remember that mm. thing? Yes, in uh, he did it for Deathblow, wasn't it? Yes, it's like a strange change up that dave's done on a page but it has a really interesting narrative effect and it's used to strengthen combat situations and stuff like that but he, he slightly changes up the coloring and the way he start, the way he draws it and um and he's he's working a bit more i think with um layouts and designs on this so there's a couple of times you have to change the page to hold it up in a different way and stuff like that that's good that's good um, yeah that's great Dave's always had great colouring, I think. I've always admired Dave's colouring. I always thought he's a guy who who could easily be colouring the prog and should be. Mm. And um, these books have really got their own voice now. I really like that this is Dave's book and he fucks around with it as he wishes. And sci-fi should never just be straight hero- hero- heroics. It should be strange, I think. There should be a twist. Yeah, if not, why are you doing it? Just do an adventure story. And Dave's doing that. He's taking things off in different directions. Um, yeah, pushing his style. Uh, my favourite issue so far. So you can get, as I said, I'll repeat it. You can get a copy by email and via PayPal. Dbrowton at hotmail.co.uk. Send him eight quid and you'll get um, you get a copy of the comic, which is well worth it. Plus, I get, and that's including postage. And you get a, um, you likely get a sketch as well, knowing Dave, because he does throw Real. things in there. Yeah. Nice. Shaman Kane 10. There you go. Smile. Awesome. And I think that's dust. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome indeed. So many comics for you to go and check out. Hopefully, you won't have any uh, bad dreams or sleepless nights. Probably. I get bad dreams a lot. Yeah, <laughs> different kind of dreams. We're not going to get into that. But hopefully, you enjoyed uh, what we talked about. And if there's anything you want us to discuss in upcoming shows and lead up to good old Christmas and uh, and beyond, Christmas. You got your wish list sorted out. What for Christmas? Yeah. Just I just want everyone to be happy. Peace on Earth. Don't you want? Don't you want no, the omnibus collection of the recent X Men comic? I'd rather have that than everyone would be. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> give, give me that instead. Um, <laughs> but um, if you want to email us uh, your uh, quiz, your um, viz questions, answers, you might and, be in to win a prize. Uh, yes, you, yes. Might have, you might have an early uh, Christmas present. Likewise, if you've got any other things you want us to shout about in upcoming shows. Any comics you want us to check out or comic initiatives you want us to check out, there's several different ways you can do it. You can email us awesomecomicspod at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at the awesome pod. We'll be retweeting. Re- this is it. It's the afternoon and it? it's gone. You're staring into our beautiful eyes. I know. I can't. I'm so aroused. Uh, yes. Where will we be? We will be retweeting and shouting about comics positivity on all kinds of mediums including uh, the Awesome Comics Podcast Slack channel, group, whatever it is. Join us. Join us. Um, for a wonderful it's group alive. of people. 
it's alive <laughs> uh, for a wonderful group of people who just want to talk about comics and comics positivity and all the great stuff in between get in touch with us to, to join up there like even if it's just art threads or just advice for your comic there's wonderful people we're doing there. the big uh, October thread aren't we that's great yeah. in there yeah so so much to check out um, and thank you for listening to us whether it's on the website awesomecomics.podbean.com Tony's trying to cover his mouth and uh, put me off but I'm just going to put my hand up so I don't see him. There's, uh, <laughs> if you listen to us there, thank you very much. As well as if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave a review. Gets the word out about the show, etc. As well as all the other networks like Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Podnose, Podknife. What are the networks are we on, Tony? We're on the Pod Network. Never ever inject Nitro 9 crack and Fetman. Always smoke. Wow, it. knowledge is power. As our good pals in uh, the world's on fire, my friend. Uh, GI Joe, um, so uh, <laughs> that's where you get that from. GI yeah, Joe, yeah, good, good point. Yeah, um, I swear I get all my life lessons. Plus, <laughs> plus that cartoon streams twenty four seven on YouTube. Hey. Look it up; it'll make your day. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of making your day, where can people find us online, gents? Tony, neveronanything.com. Just put out an episode with uh, Nando Pons from that comic smell. We were talking about nice. X Patrol. Do you know what X Patrol is? No, that's I've not listened to this the, one yet. That's what they call the X Men in Spain. Oh, ah, okay. ah, yeah, nice. I was about to say a joke, but then there was um, no. I'm not Specifically, there. the Isle of Menorca. Wow. wow. Okay. There's so much knowledge on this show. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. Oh, God, I love this. Damn. Where can people find you? Tony's uh, holding up his toy knife again. Just it's fucking social. Man. I, I, I'm posting up my uh, Rob. Rob things everywhere on the platform. Rob Tober, so you can check out Instagram or whatever. Follow like. Dan on Patreon. Go, go follow his Patreon. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. If you if you hate the social media, Dan, just do your Patreon. <laughs> Patreon yeah, and Substack. That's where it's at now. Be- if you because, just want to like, yeah. because like just seeing the emails well, with the artwork and everything is always. We had a few mentions more... of Pat earlier, but go and follow yeah. Pat. There's he's writing he's essays three or four times a week, yeah. and today it was all about how he approaches writing Doctor Who comics, and it's fucking hey. gold. Nice. Yeah, I've got this Halloween comic on the brew, which they're going to be more next episode, but that's going to be popping up on the Patreon. So if you want Good to know nice. about that, nice. Go have a look. When are we getting the? When are you going to announce the winner of that competition? Is that next week? Yeah, I think next week. We kind of been blasting the scripts back. You know, there's three more this. on there today. I'm gonna to have to be pretty harsh in the deadline. If it's after the deadline, I won't be looking at them. Okay, yeah. fine. No, we can do all of this after the show. Next week, gents. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can find me on social media at Jester Diablo. Um, thank you for listening, as always, to this episode. It's Halloween special next week. Oh, so we're all gonna be dressing up. You won't yeah, know because up. this is an audio only. Undressing. Medium, so, so, yeah. So, the true horror is naked. Is when you see my fluffy tail. I think we had to do one once when it was like, was it on Halloween? And like, we had to be cautious of people fucking ringing the doorbell and knocking yeah. for. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Don't ring my doorbell. I mean, you. you can recreate that if you want. I'll just ring a doorbell. Someone's knocking at my door. Yeah. Fuck off. I'm self isolating. Right. Take anyway, that, have a. Take one and fuck off. <laughs> Seriously though, folks, have a happy and safe Halloween. Um, and uh, next week we'll be telling you to read more horror comics. But mm. until then, wherever you are in the world, we hope you're happy, healthy. Tony, look us in the eyes. Look us in the <laughs> eyes. Say you love them. Say you love the listeners. Oh, he's nodding his head furiously. I've got the blood on Satan's claw torch later. Oh, nice. One. Nice. 
I've never seen, seen that. that. Yeah, no. years ago, years ago. Yeah, I haven't seen it for years. And I've got Night of the Demon, which I'm reliably told as a hey. scene where a man gets his knob clawed off by a yeti. What a beautiful thing to think about as we sign off. So have a brilliant week. Read loads of comics, make loads of comics. And uh, <laughs> as always, what should they do, guys? Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Bye, everyone. Boom. Boom. Boom.